It's 19 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A two-year budget comes to a vote in the Senate today. Lawmakers have to sign the deal before midnight to avoid the second government shutdown this year. The Senate is expected to pass the budget and send it to the House for final approval. Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi spoke for eight hours straight on the House floor yesterday, protesting the bill's lack of immigration reform. Some Republicans are against this bill's lack of debt ceiling reforms. A new report shows an alarming drop in U.S. life expectancy, partly due to drugs and suicide. According to the report published in a British medical journal, the drop was especially large among middle-aged white Americans and those living in rural areas. The co-author of the report noted an alarming increase in deaths from substance abuse and despair. The latest figures show life expectancy for Americans is 78.6 years, a decrease of over a month from just uh, 2015. It's the second straight year life expectancy has fallen in the U.S. And a new study shows a 10% jump in suicides nationwide in just the four months after Robin Williams died in 2014. Researchers at Columbia University said the heavy media coverage of the entertainer's death most certainly played a key role in the spike. The team called it a high-profile example of how headline-making suicides can result in copycat deaths. Police say they arrested a North Apollo man who took LSD, got naked, and attacked his family members. Police say 19-year-old Lonnie Beatty took acid on January 16th and went crazy inside his North Apollo home. Police say Beatty stripped down to a strategically placed sock and then (laughs) covered himself in cooking oil. Oh. Police say they tried to subdue him with a stun gun, but it had limited impact. He was charged with resisting arrest and disorderly conduct. Can you, is it possible to rampage if you never leave your house? Like, is there a stay-at-home rampage? That's a stay-at-home uh, rampage. Yeah. You know how you have a staycation? Yeah. This is a stay-page. <laughs> Researchers have found that men get an attractiveness boost if they are in a relationship. It seems guys are found to be more attractive if it's believed that they are popular with other women, and especially if they're already in a relationship with one. Scientists behind the study think this is true because men who are already in a relationship are judged to have good qualities like kindness, which impacts how they are perceived physically. Hold on a second. That's BS. Okay. The reason that they're deemed to be more attractive is because there is a genetic component in women, just like it in men. It's a competitive gene. And they think, oh, she has that. I I need to have, he has to make my babies. (laughs) I'm saying at a very cave woman level. And so many guys are willing to help. (laughs) So many of them are are in relationships. Yeah, yeah. I'm cool with that if you are. You want some extra babies? Don't you I think? Got some babies. You think I'm wrong? Uh, maybe. I think it's sort of like, oh look, somebody took that savage off the street, cleaned him up real nice. He doesn't look half bad. Or maybe it's also that men isn't don't men often take better care of themselves when they're in a relationship? No, see, I think yes. I, I, I don't think so. You don't think so? No way. Or maybe it's the woman takes better care of the man than yeah. he would take care of himself. <laughs> I I that think is correct. Guys get fatter and uh, they don't Let care about what they go. look like out in public nearly as much because they're like, what do I? What am I trying for? Are we talking about just being in a relationship or are we talking about a long-term marriage? Because that sounds like what you're talking about, a long-term marriage, where you just yeah, do the well, tandem jump and give up on life. <laughs> I guess I was 
kind of thinking just long term. I don't know. I do that after like a month. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you eating Pop Tarts at midnight? <laughs> Look, we're together forever. I just met you. I do, yeah. After the first, first hookup, I go to the bathroom with the door open. <laughs> <laughs> you like hey, Pete Holmes? Do you pee with sitting down? No. <laughs> we're in this together, right? It was a Dallas-based bank and not the heirs to Prince's estate that approved the use of his image during last Sunday's Super Bowl in Minneapolis. The Wall Street Journal reports, until an agreement is reached with the IRS, Prince's estate remains in the hands of Comerica Bank and Trust. Comerica called Sunday's performance a tasteful and sincere tribute to Prince, and it appreciated Justin Timberlake's desire to honor him. The estate said the footage of Prince used during the halftime show was licensed from a performance in Syracuse, New York, and also Purple Rain. Let's say Purple Rain. Justin Timberlake wanted to do the Super Bowl's in Pittsburgh, and Justin Timberlake wanted to do it with, uh, uh, you know, 20 years from now. He wanted to do it with, uh, well, let's say 30 years from now, Donnie Iris. Right or whoever the Justin Timberlake is of the day, and like you know, Donnie Iris's uh, estate is like, and Donnie Iris is on record being like, "No, I don't ever want that to happen. I think that's creepy. This is the last thing I want." And he goes on to say it multiple times, and everybody knows that's where he stands, and he is vehemently against that happening. And then uh, he comes in and does that, Justin Timberlake. And you know Donnie Iris doesn't want that. And he's singing Aliyah with him up there. Rioting in the streets. Wouldn't you be pissed? Probably. Because Prince did not want that to happen. He hated that stuff. He hated the idea of it. He was all about authenticity. Too late now. It's done. He said when they did it with John Lennon's voice that it creeped him out and it sounded like it was from beyond the grave and it was unfair and the artist can't say anything about it. It's a, the yeah. ultimate manipulation. Has his autopsy come back yet? Because I feel like that was the exact same thing as Petty, like a accidental overdose. It was. Who, Prince? Yeah, yeah. fentanyl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. It was fentanyl. Then didn't he have several different doctors prescribing him medicine? Both of those guys were fentanyl. Yeah. Both of them. Crazy. Because they just get to a point where they're in all this pain, and they're like, oh, you know what takes it away? This stuff. And then they get to, I think, the point. Because don't forget, Prince almost died like a week before he died. Uh, wasn't he on an airplane? Oh, yeah, yeah, they had to land at an emergency right. in Kansas City. And uh, what, what was the pain? Just lower back from wearing the wedges all those years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no. His back was destroyed. Well, didn't he have hip problems, too? <laughs> yeah. But his hips were a mess. Cause, and those guys, you know, Tom Petty's had a broken hip. I'm That's not sure incredible. what Prince's deal was, but Prince had, you know, he did dance and stuff. Prince was super athletic. He did athletic. a lot of splits. Yeah. <laughs> that wears on your body. Yeah. Especially Snowy when you cold. do them in velvet. <laughs> Snowy and cold mid-20s today. Good news, it's going to be 40 tomorrow, so hopefully that All will right. help everything that's covered in ice today. We're going to be talking with Art Rooney, the uh, the president, the owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers, coming up 8-15, his State of the Union address. Also, PFT commenter. Barstool Sports a little bit later on the Sporting Stand. Saverin also. DV Mario will check in. I've been fixated on that wise Burkle friends with Tom Brady thing. <laughs> Hope we get to the bottom of that today. So Mario will weigh in on that. A look at the Olympics. Uh, and Mike Pursuta coming up with your sports at the bottom of the hour. Stevie Nicks gets you going. Oh, uh, yeah, it's the DVE morning show. And the other day when, uh, when Flurry returned, 
Of course, the town was going crazy. I don't know if you heard when he called into the show. This was from the morning of uh, of that game. You know, tonight at PPG Paints Arena marks the return of Mark. Mark andre Fleury, the new goalie of the Western Conference-leading Las Vegas Golden Knights. And, boy, honored to have him here right now for what promises to be a very emotional return. Mark andre Fleury. Hello. Hello. Hello, DB. Hey. Flower. Uh, I have uh, returned uh-huh. to my true love. Yeah. And it is uh, uh, so emotional. Yeah. I have to uh, weep uh, for a moment. Uh, <laughs> 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 I will cease weeping to continue this interview. Wow. Yeah. It's so reassuring to know that you feel the same way we do. You're already crying, and you're feeling all the feels because we are... No, shut up. What? I was having uh, sarcasm weep. What? Why? I'm so uh, sick and tired of this uh, fatal uh, attraction penguin fans have for me. But... uh, It's over. Uh, Fini. Uh, Have some dignity. Uh, You are embarrassing yourself? No, but, uh, Flower, (laughs) I thought that... Uh, you thought what? Uh, you could keep uh, squeezing me like you are Pepe Le Pew, and I am a cat you uh, mistake for a skunk? Well, Pittsburgh, uh, uh, I am not your skunk. I am a Las Vegas pussycat now. Yeah, but everybody is looking forward to the in-game appreciation video. It's going to be... Uh, uh, what video? The... Uh, it is a, a two-hour-long uh, feature film starring Brad Pitt. <laughs> And directed by Spielberg. No, uh, it's too much. Yeah, but no, that uh, it's, back off. No, it sounds back off. That sounds awesome. <laughs> no, that sounds creepy. No, it's great. Uh, and it has to stop. It doesn't. Uh, it's too much. It isn't. Uh, I have moved on. We haven't. And I have a new life. <laughs> but and uh, you should get one too. Yeah, but when you left, you said you loved us and your relationship with the city would. And I did. Yeah, but in somewhere buried in the fiber of my heart, I still do. <laughs> But I will have many loves in the Bible of life. <laughs> Don't deprive yourself of loving again. As the song says, love uh, the one you are with. Matt Murray deserves your art. <laughs> Matt Murray is your rock now. Yeah, but I, 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 we know. Uh, we love Matt. But in our own way, what, what we had with you... Um, that was special, okay? It was. Let it go! No, let it go! I No, we don't want to let it go. Uh, let it go! Uh, Unfollow we... on uh, Instagram. No. Unfriend on Facebook. Why are you being like this? Let it go! No, oh, no! Uh, let, it, let, let it go! No, we can't let it go! We can't! Why? Tell me why you want to let it go! Because this is Pittsburgh! Damn it! We don't let go! We like Pepe Le Pew. Yeah, but we love the past more than the present because this is in our blood. Uh, we, but I always use protection, uh, so I never caught it. I will <laughs> return your affection. Uh, I will accept them this one last time. But then uh, you must bid me adieu. So, so you don't want us to follow through with the plans for the flurry statue? or? Uh, no, because I'm afraid people will have sex with it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it's the DVE morning show.
You know, uh, we're lucky to have a great local comedy scene here in Pittsburgh. One of the shining stars of the Milky Way of comedy here in Pittsburgh. I think you say the Milky Way, too, before you came Shannon in Shannon Norman is here, ladies and gentlemen. Shannon and it's Norman. It's good to see you. I, I'm clapping with this, my one yeah. hand here. This is this is the sound of my voice. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, you're going to record a couple of, uh, of shows this weekend for a new comedy album. Yes. I'm going to do two recordings uh, this this Friday at uh, Club Cafe, mm-hmm. 10 p.m. That's also the three-year anniversary of the Race to the Coffin comedy roulette show at Club Cafe. And uh, they couldn't get anyone bigger than me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's going available well. now. Yeah. <laughs> Will you be doing your set in your underwear? I I might. It's gonna yeah. It's gonna be real gimmicky. Halfway through, I'm gonna do a character. I might do like a like a '90s comic, Good. and then I'll be in my yes. underwear. Sure. Yes. Yeah. And then I, I love it. And then I got to do seven shots and smoke some weed. <laughs> yeah. You know, just Good stuff. And then the show will start. So you have performed in your underwear, or is it a thing? It's not a yeah. regular part of your show, is it? Yeah. There's a there's a touring show called the. Uh, it's just called the Underwear Party. And it's yeah, comics just perform in their underwear, and okay. um, I <laughs> which mean, is great. If you're interested, I can show you pictures off air. No, that's okay. Uh-huh. I don't no, need to huh? see comics in their underwear. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's just me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just you. Yeah. Uh, so do, wait, so you do a tour the uh, all in your underwear? Uh, uh, no, there's a, co- a comic from uh, Atlanta, Joe oh, Pettis. Okay. He tours the show. Oh, that's great. And uh, it, it comes through. It's going to be here in. Two months for the Burning Bridges Festival. Does, There's a chance does to see underwear me. being in your underwear make you funnier? No, it just makes me talk about my body more. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have uh, unique tattoos. I remember that yes. about you. Yes, very much so. Uh, what was what's your most re- recent tattoo? My most recent tattoo. Uh, I have uh, right here near yeah, my, on your hip. In, uh, yeah, in the hip area. I got a matching tattoo with my friend who moved to L.A. It's uh, Rude Dog. From the 1980s, the uh, the cartoon, the clothing line come yes. cartoon character. Yeah, yeah, I got Rude Dog right near, oh, right near nice. my uh, junk. That's nice. Yeah, you know, tell your kids about one day. Oh yeah, the significance of Rude Dog. Yeah, I'm like, oh, so in the 90s they made 13 cartoons about a dog that used to be on sweatshirts, <laughs> and and I was like, I know how to throw sixty dollars into a sewer. Let's get this put on my body. <laughs> so now there's a lot of pressure on you now that you're recording an album. I mean, really, this is. Mm-hmm. This has got to be uh, uh, a very uh, uh, stressful time for you. How do you how do you come up with a title for it? Have you, uh... I you know I've been brainstorming for a week. I turned to I turned to Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, I asked everyone there. I said, "What should I call it?" And a lot of a lot of outpouring from people I went to high school with who haven't talked to me since high school. <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I've I've narrowed it down to a list of uh, I've brainstormed a few things. I want to know, can I run them by you? Yeah, oh no, yeah, sure. Because I want to go with you know. I mean, I'm a very Pittsburgh guy. I want to go with something Pittsburgh. Sure. So the first Pittsburgh album title I thought of was Cargo Shorts on Christmas Morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Probably a lot of those going around. Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, and then I'm uh, thinking uh, live from the O. <laughs> and and for that, I actually have a picture of me as a teenager throwing up in front of the. Oh, ah, that's good. Well, that um, fits perfectly. Yeah. Uh, uh, De Caesar Ingler presents. Oh, I like that. Yeah. That's, that's a really good way to get to Pittsburgh. School, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about doing a play on the the Grateful Dead. Uh, they're, the only album of theirs I really like is Terrapin Station, uh-huh. and I'm thinking about calling it Turtle Crick Station. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. but there's, and I'm, I already got the idea for instead of uh, turtles playing tambourines at a train station, uh-huh. 
it'll be two turtles uh, mugging each other on Electric <laughs> oh, Avenue. Oh, there you go. I like it. A new I think ter- that's actually happened, too, yeah. so it's historically accurate. <laughs> um, a Night at Ross Park Mall. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Live from the Sunset Strip District. Oh, oh that's yeah. great. Yeah. Classic. I and, think that might be the one. And th- Well, here, I think this might be the one. Uh, WQED presents An Evening with Rick Seaback. <laughs> <laughs> Just do that. Because I'm pretty sure that's the only way I'll be able to move albums <laughs> yeah. in this town. Oh. Some accidental fan base. Yeah. How great would that be if <laughs> you did that and then people thought Seaback had uh, taken a turn? Yeah, he got dirty. This <laughs> got really, yeah, really I dirty. I never knew he had tattoos. <laughs> so, again, the shows this weekend, you're going to be at two different parts of town. Mm-hmm. Friday night. Friday night, I'll be at Club Cafe at okay. 10 p.m. Okay. And that show is hosted by John Dick Winters. Okay. It's featuring Derek Minto, Jasmine Carter from Cleveland, Osha Dwyer, and Isaac Crow. All right. Nice. Good deal. And then Saturday night. And Saturday night, that is uh, Race to the Coffin presents Sit Down and Laugh at Hambones at 10 p.m., hosted by Alex DePula. Oh, yeah. One of our favorites. Yeah. Featuring Jasmine Carter from uh, Cleveland, mm-hmm. Isaac Crow. And Colin Chamberlain. Okay, great deal. All right. Really good. Go lineups. see uh, Shane this weekend, as, or Shannon, I'm sorry, as he's uh, um, recording his brand new album. I, WKED presents An Evening with Rick Seaback, Shannon. I think that's your, that's, that's your winner. I think you should really have an influence on Rick Seaback. I want to see him do one of his episodes in his underwear. Oh, <laughs> by the end of this year, I will get Rick Seaback to get a tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you, Seaback. Shannon Norman, go see him this weekend. Comedy in the Berg, Friday night, Southside, Saturday night, Lawrenceville at Hambones. Good to see you, brother. Thanks for having me. Good luck this weekend. Val, up next. We'll talk about that uh, crazy Quincy Jones interview. Steelers owner Art Rooney II is going to be joining us at 815 live here on DVE. It's 18 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Giant Eagle Curbside Express. I'm Val Porter. White House Staff Secretary Rob Porter going to be out of a job after claims of abuse have surfaced. Press Secretary Sarah Sanders confirmed Porter's resignation during a briefing yesterday. The Daily Mail is reporting allegations of domestic abuse from Porter's two ex-wives. Sanders read a statement from Porter calling the accusations outrageous and part of a smear campaign against him. Sanders says Porter will stay on to ensure a smooth transition. Porter spends many days at President Trump's side and is reportedly dating White House Communications Director Hope Hicks. And he, I mean, the pictures of his wife are brutal. Yeah. They have him plastered all over the TV behind Which, us right now. He claims the story behind that is not what she claims. But he didn't get specific. He said, I took that picture 15 years ago. Yeah. But then he doesn't say right after she fell or, you know. Uh, I took that picture right after I punched her in the face. And And he abused his other wife, too? Two ex wives have come out and said the same thing. He doesn't have any more ex wives, does he? I don't know. That's what I wondered. He's not that old. Oh. Well, it would explain why they're ex. Yeah. Some area school districts say they've already exhausted their snow makeup days built into the school year. (laughs) Officials with Washington School District say they took their fourth snow day Wednesday and only had three built into the calendar. The school school board will meet this weekend and could decide to use President's Day as a makeup day. I'm assuming that they're not the only 
school going through that. So a new study says drowsy driving plays a much bigger role in severe crashes than federal estimates suggest. The AAA study says nine and a half percent of all car crashes involve sleepy drivers for severe accidents. It goes up to ten and a half percent. Estimates by the federal government link drowsy driving to only two percent of crashes. AAA says tactics like drinking coffee, rolling down the wing a window and singing don't actually help says the only way to relieve drowsiness is to pull over and take a little nap. Oh, man. Have you ever, like, nodded off while you're driving? Yes. Terrifying. No, no, but I definitely have been sleepy. Back in my younger days doing, like, out-of-town gigs and driving home in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Like, that was the worst. You you open the window to try to get some wind on your hand, try to jar yourself awake. It's... It's yeah. pretty brutal. You always want to be in the car with the one guy who did the drugs that are going to keep him up all night, so he'll <laughs> at least talk to you while you're driving. You're, Gerber. you're awake enough to, to, <laughs> to be awake, but definitely not in driving condition. No, no, that person doesn't drive. They just sit no. in, the, in the seat and, and just you know keep you talking all night. Because right. everybody else, the bass players, <laughs> you know, everyone's sleeping, sawing logs in the back of the car. Gerber is announcing the newest addition to the baby photo family today. The coveted spokesbaby honor is being bestowed on a very special Georgia one-year-old. Lucas Warren is the first baby with Down syndrome to be named a Gerber baby since the contest started nearly 100 years ago. That's great. Little Lucas will be the face of Gerber's social media for the next year. Gerber reports over 140,000 babies entered this year. That's great news. That's awesome, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm very glad it didn't go to like one of the... Kardashian babies, oh one of the eight million babies those people are having. I, I can't. The way they're procreating is alarming to me. Yeah, yeah they're pumping them out. Uh, we really it's like a Dr. Seuss book. But imagine that it would your... be like a gluten-free, non-fat. It would basically be like the froyo of baby food. <laughs> did you Comes Did you hear bronzer. that? Uh, whatever the youngest one is, just named her kid Stormy. Stormy with an eye. That's uh, that's, that's probably normal. More normal than. The other ones. Do they actually, uh, do they gestate at the same rate as normal humans or do they just have babies in like three months? Um, What's I the think they gestation have, yeah. rate of a Chewbacca? Of I, a think Chew- it's, <laughs> I think it's a month and a half. That's it. What's that guy from the... Pop out a star belly snitch? The Bigfoot Festival. The Bigfoot Festival. The average rate of gestation for a human is nine months. For a silverback gorilla is seven months. For Bigfoot, I'm going to say it's <laughs> right around eight months. <laughs> if you're looking ahead to Valentine's Day, it is uh, less than a week away. Guys, if you're not sure what to get your lady, according to a survey by dating site Zeusk, women say tickets to an event is the most romantic gift. Boom. Guys said Got a framed that. photo of the Did two you already of you. give your gift? Nope. No, I didn't, so don't ruin it. <laughs> well, you gave it away a little bit. But no, I didn't. Okay. There's no way. there. You know what I got. I do. There's yes, no way you would ever that. guess that. No. None. Great gift. Uh, but guys said a framed photo of the two of you is the most romantic gift that you, that you could give, give or get. That surprises me. Uh, I wouldn't think it would be the other way around. Guys would want tickets to something, and women would want the framed picture of the two of you what if you frame the tickets everybody wins (laughs) (laughs) holding the tickets the two of you (laughs) 
Over the past few years, there's been a spike in tequila sales. Unfortunately, farmers are having a tough time keeping up with the demand for the blue agave, which is the main ingredient used in distilling tequila. Because tequila sales are expected to increase, at least for the next few years, customers well, you might have to deal with spikes in prices or, oh my God, tequila shortages. No. So stock up on your tequila. What am I going to do for spring break? <laughs> I better buy it now. I don't uh, I don't go to the tequila too often. No? Never, in no. fact. You don't drink like uh, margaritas? margaritas? or Not too often. Is that the only mixed drink tequila is in? No. Tequila Sunrise? Mm. I mean, tequila makes me very, very bad. Like, I just make Crazy. the worst decisions. Yeah, I'll, I'll rip your mattress off your bed and <laughs> ride it down the steps. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's a bad one. Whiskey makes me loud. Tequila makes me violent. And just, like, I'm off the rails. Yeah. I ran out of a bar one time after drinking tequila and, and ran into the woods and was just, <laughs> like, off the grid in the woods with rocks in my hand, like... What's happening? Let's do this. Like you ever seen Leonardo DiCaprio in the beach? Yeah. Like where he loses his <laughs> mind for that couple of weeks? That's that's kind of how I was. Why is it that some alcohols have different effects on you? Why know. do they hit your brain differently if the main the, the active ingredient maybe. is just the alcohol? There must be some component in it that just stimulates another part of your brain. Yeah, I guess Because so. there are different drunks to different kinds of alcohol. <sighs> I think that was the last time I drank tequila. I was like, yeah, I don't want to be in the woods behind Shenley ice skating rink ever again. That's my younger sister's drink. She just drinks tequila neat. Straight, yeah, that's... She just sips on tequila. Yeah. She doesn't... She's tiny, too, you know, and she just kind of sips on tequila and she digs it. That's what... And I, I could not do that. No. Mostly because I want a lot. Maybe it's because <laughs> the only time I've ever drank... Tequila, it's been the worst tequila. Like, I never bought top shelf. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always watered down garbage. The feature length film Trouble No More, starring Bob Dylan, is set to air exclusively on Cinemax. The film that accompanied the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer's 2017 box set of the same name is scheduled to air February 26th at 10 o'clock. Both the film and deluxe edition box set focus on Dylan's faith based music. Between 1979 and 1981, and includes such tracks as Gotta Serve Somebody, Gonna Change My Way of Thinking, Saved, and Slow Train. And legendary music producer Quincy Jones has a lot to get off his chest <laughs> in a wide ranging and some might say free for all interview with Vulture. He dished on everything from his dislike of the Beatles to Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando and his hope for the future of music. Uh, the 84-year-old 28-time Grammy winner didn't hold back when it came to his criticisms. He said all he's ever done in life is tell the truth, and he's got nothing to be afraid of. In the interview, he claims to have dated Ivanka Trump about <laughs> wow. 12, 12 years ago. He said, oh quote, she's a fine mother effer. She had the most beautiful legs I ever saw in my life. Wrong father, though. I used to hang out with him. He's a crazy mother effer. Limited mentally, a megalomaniac, narcissistic. I can't stand him. End quote. <laughs> he also called him an effing idiot later in the he interview. Likes, he likes M he likes MFR. Uh when talking about Marlon Brando in the interview. This he, is crazy. This is this was insane. He said, quote, he was the most charming mother effer you ever met. He'd F anything. Anything. <laughs> 
He'd F a mailbox. Wait a minute. A mailbox. I think that's a crime. That's a federal crime. Imagine if you came home from work and Marlon Brando was effing your mailbox. <laughs> James Baldwin. <laughs> Richard Pryor, Marvin Gaye, he did not give an F, end quote. James Baldwin, Marvin Gaye, Richard, Richard Pryor. Pryor. And apparently Richard Pryor's girlfriend or wife. So obviously he yeah. had standards. He would only bang legends. Like it's not like legendary black. Those dudes. guys are mailboxes. No, <laughs> there's mailbox. a pretty big disparity between the two, isn't there? I'm not your mail slot. <laughs> yeah, I. That, uh, what? I uh, what? I, po- I posted that picture that that story yesterday, and I and I just like quickly wrote up um, like caption like oh, I just wish Richard was in The Godfather, <laughs> and. <laughs> Somebody commented underneath it immediately. Looks like he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quincy swears Michael oh, Jackson stole no. a lot of the music that he performed. Quincy said Michael stole Donna Summer's State of Independence and used it for Billy Jean. He said the Beatles were terrible musicians, saying, quote, they were the worst musicians in the world. They were no playing MFers. <laughs> Paul was the worst <laughs> bass player I ever heard. And Ringo, don't even talk about it. End quote. The Ringo I story he tells is hilarious, it. though. He's trying to put down a beat for, like, hours. Just a straight 4-4 four, four beat. And they're like, dude, go get some shepherd's pie. Get out of here. Yeah. And he comes back, and they have had, a like, a jazz drummer who's a badass come in and lay down the track, and he did it in, like, one take. And then Ringo comes back in, he's like, George, play that back for me, what I did earlier. And they played him the, the new track that the jazz drummer laid down. He's like, well, now that doesn't sound so bad, does it? And they're like, no, it's good, Ringo. We'll just keep that. It's good because it ain't you. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he claims that Chicago mobster Sam Giancana murdered JFK. I believe it. He talked about uh, JFK and Giancana and Frank Sinatra, but then decided... Uh, that might not be a good idea. He said, quote, we shouldn't talk about this publicly. I totally believe it. Yeah, I do, too. That whole Frank Sinatra thing, very yeah. plausible. Like, they helped get him elected, and then he turned on them. Wouldn't let him in the uh, White House. and Started yeah. cracking down on crime. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, he's got to go. Bobby and, Kennedy. Uh, Bobby Kennedy probably got JFK killed because of that. And he's got more to say. Jones will be the subject of an upcoming Netflix documentary and a CBS special that will be hosted by Oprah. He did an interview last week with GQ. He did this one yesterday. And he is, I mean, it's like he, he's feeling his mortality and he's just going scorched earth. On yeah, the way he's 84. Out. It's yeah, he's absolutely like, amazing. It's awesome. He, I mean, those are big accusations against Michael Jackson. I mean, also the, he said that Greg Falange is great. Great player, uh, session player and touring musician. Played with Clapton's bands and stuff for a long time. He, he, he did he, say he liked Clapton's band. He did. He, he, yeah, Cream. he had some good things to say about Cream, even though he didn't know who Cream was. Yeah, that's just it. Like What's some of it, like when he says the Beatles were terrible musicians. All right, by the time they did Let It Be, do you think George wasn't a good guitar player? <laughs> you think Paul wasn't a pretty good bass player? They all sang great. I mean, there are pop sensibilities that I think he finds distasteful. But that's not the same thing as stinks. And I have no doubt they were not accomplished musicians when they were 21 years old. But the butterfly nature of the, the interview is just amazing. Like the how it flitters from one th- subject to the next. 
<laughs> because turns he, on a dime. There and it was a meme yesterday on Twitter, and it was just so funny because he really jumped all over. The, at one point, he's just like, I don't know, he's like, "What's your birth sign, man?" <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm a Pisces. All right, cool. All right, uh, great. Just jam, jam. Be a Pisces, jam. He just says all this weird stuff, and he turns on a dime. He's eighty-four. And, yeah, no, it's it's really fun to read because he will say something shocking, like you know. Marlon Brando used to have sex with the statue of Abraham Lincoln. And <laughs> it'd be like, what? And, and he was like, "What? Uh, where'd you get that shirt, man? <laughs> you know, like, dude, you just said something completely outrageous. Bruce Springsteen is originally from New Zealand. What? <laughs> Do you like Kleenexes? Exactly. It's just, it's kind of random. What? But it is fun. It's a really fun read. I highly recommend you read it. Forecast today, snowy and cold, mid-20s, but all the way up to 40 tomorrow. It's 18 now at DVE. Good deal. Uh, coming up, uh, we have Art Rooney the second. Mr. Rooney will be joining us at 8.15, his State of the Union address postseason that he does every year with us here at the flagship station of the Black and Gold, 102.5 DVE. Also, Mike Pursuta will uh, have your spo- sports. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuit's got your sports right now on DVE. Mike. The Steelers posted a statement from their defensive backs coach, Cornell Lake, yesterday, which announced that uh, Cornell Lake would no longer be the Steelers' defensive backs coach. Said Lake, quote, I have decided to return to California to be able to be a part of my youngest son's last year of high school football. I want to thank Mr. Art Rooney II and the Rooney family, Coach Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, the coaching staffs I've worked with throughout my time in Pittsburgh, and the entire Steelers' organization like also thank the Steelers fans who he called uh, the best fans in the NFL during his time as both a player and a coach so some change on the defensive side of the ball after all <laughs> I'm a big Carnell Lake fan I thought he was a great player uh, yeah me too listening to him explain uh, what they're teaching and why and their theories over the years he's a as sound a football guy as there is but something ain't working on that defense and Perhaps a, a new voice or two would be an answer. And they've really had a rough time turning over the secondary in particular. And they thought they were making a lot of strides that way, and uh, all of a sudden when you watch Blake Bortles throwing deep balls to wide receivers you never heard of. On your number one pick. It gives you pause as to the progress some of those guys are making. So uh, wish Carnell Lake well. Really, really good guy, and uh, if he wants to get back in it, I'm sure he'll have a chance at some point. But uh, taking uh, a year to be with his uh, oldest son during his last year of high school football, and you can do that, then uh, why wouldn't you, right? Uh, right. Art, Art Rooney II, the Steelers president, is going to be with us at 8.15 today. He was talking with uh, select members of the print media yesterday, and he also spent some time with Bob Labriola and Missy Matthews on Steelers Live, uh, on Steelers.com. A bunch of subjects broached by Art Rooney II, including what went right in 2017 and what went wrong in the 2017 postseason. A lot of good things to take from uh, from the regular season, and, and uh, winning 13 games in, in this league is not easy, so uh, uh, happy with that accomplishment. Uh, obviously, we uh, disappointed in the in the. Uh, Results in the playoff, and uh, uh, so you know, need to learn our lessons there. Number one, you can't turn the ball over against good teams. 
Yeah, they did number that, one. They did that twice against Jacksonville, and it cost them. That was number one. It wasn't lack of focus. It wasn't looking ahead. It number wasn't, one. It wasn't discipline. It wasn't the locker room. It was turnovers. And when you think back to that Jacksonville game, the interception that Ben Roethlisberger threw, then an 18-yard touchdown run on the next play, and also sack, strip, scoop, score. 14 points. Number one. Lost by three. It's uh, got a point. Mike Tomlin, excuse me, uh, Art Rooney II also talked about Ben Roethlisberger's perceived change of heart. Last year at this time, he was refusing to commit to playing again. And then when he eventually did, he said it was going to be a year-to-year deal for the rest of his career. All of a sudden, uh, Roethlisberger's tune has changed dramatically. Art Rooney II talked about maybe why that's the case. Well, certainly last season I thought was uh, in part a, you know, element of frustration from the, the way that last game uh, unfolded. Uh, I'm glad he feels good about the future. Uh, you know, his level of play, I think, certainly suggests that he can keep going for, for a few more years. And, and uh, you know, I had a good conversation with him uh, at the end of the season where, he, you know, he said that he, he's, he would like to play uh, three or four more years. So, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to hear that, and and, uh, and that's uh, you know an important piece of the puzzle, obviously, for the next few years. Art Rooney II will be here with us at 8.15 today on the DVE Morning Show. He also said, among other things, yesterday that Ryan Shazier will be with the Steelers, quote, one way or the other in 2018. It's great news. The Steelers would like to get a long-term deal worked out with Le'Veon Bell, but it takes both sides of that equation wanting to work out a long-term deal. Translation, they're not going to back up the Brinks truck. Right. Bell seems to want a Brinks truck. Or to want to talk his way out. Who knows where he's coming He from. tweeted it out last night uh, when some account uh, had a quote from Art saying they wanted to work on a long-term deal. He quoted the tweet with, seems like a, a good idea, right? Or this is good news, right? Something to that effect. I... I don't think the fact that they both want to work out a long-term deal means anything. I don't think it means he's any closer to yeah, making I, it happen. I agree with you. I certainly don't think it's imminent or anything no, of that nature. This is not like, oh, good, they're working on This is yeah. just, yeah, they both want a long-term deal. Problem is, what they want is completely different. It's going to be an interesting chat starting at 8.15 when uh, Art Rooney II joins us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art will uh, be on the show here in about a uh, half an hour. Penguins uh, don't play again until Friday in Dallas. They'll also be at the Blues on Sunday. They're coming off a 5-4 win over the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, a game that uh, was dominated by the return of Marc-Andre Fleury in the Vegas net, but one that included Ian Cole scoring a goal against Fleury. It was Cole's fifth game back in the lineup after a seven-game healthy scratch absence. And uh, Cole talked afterward about uh, how it didn't take him all that long to get back in the groove once Mike Sullivan started playing him again. Well, it hasn't been too many games, and, and I think I've you know, I've been playing well since I came back. And um, you know, I think I was playing, you know, not terribly before I left either. But um, you know, so I think it was good. Um, you know, I think it was. Uh, I think it's been going well. The team's been playing really well, so that certainly helps. Not not playing too terribly before. I'm just doing what I do, right? <laughs> uh, Ian Cole, a guy who uh, has seemingly played the same game. For a long time now with the Penguins, and it has seemingly been effective. But this year, 
Uh, Mike Sullivan a lot more adamant about certain details before he's willing to commit to giving Cole a jersey. You know, Colsey's a real solid player when he plays with himself, when he's uh, when he's got a little bit of edge to his game, when he keeps his decision-making with the puck uh, simple and smart and calculated. I think Colsey can be a very effective defenseman for us and has been for, for a number of uh, – you know, for for a number of years here. So, um, you know, we think his game has uh, has been very good since he's been back in the lineup, and that's why he's in the lineup. Really stretching the hockey nickname formula there by having, having to add an S before the Y. Which aren't nicknames, nicknames are supposed to be abbreviations, right? No, no, not always. Because yeah. Colsey is actually longer than Cole. Oh uh, yeah, but just say Cole. Yeah, that's what they do. Stalzy was another. That was another. Yeah, Stalzy. Stalzy. Colsey. <laughs> Used to love listening to the fans cheer for Stalzy. No, it's like their it's like their own Latin. You know what I mean? They 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 know when you add an, an S Y and when you just add a Y. And do they just not do that with Sid? They just say Sid. Yeah. Like he doesn't get the treatment. Sidzy. I don't think they call him Sidzy. Crosby. Oh. E E. Crosber. Crosby's. Crosby'sy. <laughs> College Hoops last night, number one, Villanova, number three, Purdue, number eight, Auburn, and number 23, Nevada. All getting beat, all four getting beat at home. Villanova lost to St. John's, which had which had been 0-11 in the Big East. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a big one right there. Huh? And St. John's beat number four, Duke, on Saturday and beat number one, Villanova, last night. You figure out college basketball. No, thanks. Penn State beat Maryland, and uh, Duquesne lost at Dayton tonight. Robert Morris is at St. Francis, Brooklyn, and Pitt visits Clemson. So the uh, spring training flyaway contest going on right now, dbe.com. You and a friend can win a trip to see Garrett Cole in West Palm Beach, Florida, or Andrew McCutcheon in Scottsdale, Arizona. If nothing's getting rid of your favorite players, we're sending you to see them and root them on still. You go to dbe.com, take the nutting quiz. At dv.com slash contest. We're picking two winners, one for each trip. Take the nutting quiz to register, and that contest ends 9 a.m. February 16th. You know, I can still root on the Buckos, but if great. you don't want to stop rooting for your favorite Buckos, we'll help you continue to cheer for them. By the way, did I mention yesterday that uh, the Giants are going to retire Barry Bonds' number August the 11th? And they're playing the Pirates. Ouch! So they're. They're picking up where we left off. (laughs) (laughs) Dagger, dagger. New wife, same as the old wife. It's not just us. It's everybody. (laughs) Uh, Val, what do you got going on? Did Charlie Sheen have someone murdered? We'll talk about what his former pal Lenny Dykstra had to say. Sunny, uh, snowy and cold rather today, mid-20s for the high. It's 18 now at DDE. Gotta ask Quincy Jones. I bet he knows. (laughs) Man, we shouldn't be talking about this. (laughs) Lenny Dykstra killed JFK. (laughs) Wait a second. Now, if Lenny Dykstra says anything, there should be no credence put to it whatsoever. Why? Just because he's a lifelong drug addict and criminal? (laughs) Yes. He's still in jail. No. No, he's out. I mean, he is what he is. He has absolutely no. Didn't he just write a book? Or he was making the rounds. He has some. I mean, you want to talk about a crazy interview? There's, he said some absolutely insane things. There's no credibility to anything that Lenny Dykstra says. That being said, I mean, I like when he says stuff, but it's mm-hmm. just you know, probably not true. Art Rooney the Second is going to join us at eight fifteen. 
I've been kind of fixated on the whole why is Ron Burkle in Tom Brady's box for the Super Bowl? Why is the Penguins owner in Tom Brady's box? We're going to ask DVE Mario about it when we come back. DVE. It's Randy Bauman in the DVE Morning Show, and it has been driving me nuts. The whole Ron Burkle sitting in Tom Brady's box thing. Nobody else seems to be too bothered by this, but I don't know. I don't like it. Me neither. I guess I'm overreact. I don't know. They're the enemy. Yeah. yeah. So figured uh, we'd give uh, Mario a shout. And uh, here to talk about it is uh, co-owner of the team, Le Magnifique, DVE Mario. Mario! Uh, good morning, boys. Hey. Uh, DVE. Well, new producer guy, uh, Joe. <laughs> Joe. Joe. Good name for a guy to get you the coffee, huh? Yeah, he doesn't get coffee for us. He does. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, obviously, I know that's a joke for the comedy. Okay. You know, on the DV Morning Show, you got to have that, you know, especially when uh, Randall's uh, up on his eye horse there about Barkle hanging out with Tom Brady like he's having brunch with Slobodan Milosevic or something like that. No, all right, look, I admit, I've been wondering what the deal is with Burkle being in Tom Brady's box at the Super Bowl, but I mean, what is the deal? Oh, well, you know, obviously, uh, Barkle admired a Tom Brady, you know, for uh, for a long time. Uh, he sees him as the next uh, Fountain of Youth guy. Uh, yeah, t- Ponce de Leon. No, thanks. I'll stick with Chateau Margot. <laughs> <laughs> Joke. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, wait. Now, <laughs> Burkle is interested in the TB12 workout regimen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you should see how much water he drinks now. Yeah. Chugs it. Pounds the water. Burkle yeah. does. Every time I turn around, Burke will take another Dasani to the face. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know, he's going to franchise the TB12, you know? And uh, he wants the boys to uh, start doing it. He wants the pens to start implementing the TB12 workout regimen? Yeah, and they're all on board, except for Phil Kessel. Yeah, when he heard about the diet restrictions, he shot out at a cryotherapy tube like a flabby cannonball. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a potato yeah, yeah, cannon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, he was pissed. I bet. Well, he's, yeah. I know. He likes his food. Yeah. He almost came around to the idea, though, when he heard about all the massages. Then he found out they didn't end with the old uh, Toronto tug. So he's uh, <laughs> sticking to Philanetics, you know, his uh, workout regimen. Philanetics. You know, obviously, that's fine. You uh, know, you stick with what works. Right. You know, every guy different yeah, and whatnot. Sure. Yeah. But so, so have you ever tried the TB12 regimen? No. No, the part where you have to lip kiss your son for five counts. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's actually part of it. No, well, you know, obviously, uh, I'm the Magnifique. I prefer uh, ML66 to uh, TB12, you know? Yeah. What's that? To uh, 18 Oles, uh-huh. Chateaubriand, bottle of Margot, glass of port, Arturo Fuente with Grand Marnier, wake up and do it again next day. Oh! <laughs> I'm a poet, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> Ooh. Weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I, I guess I understand it now. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, Mario. But hey, stop sniffing around for information about Barkle. Okay. okay? It's, yeah, but it was just all weird. you need to know about Barkle is that he's hilarious. Okay, I know. Remember, first rule of Barkle Club. Don't talk about Barkle Club. All right. All right, boys. I'll walk. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, on the way for you, Art Rooney the second is going to be joining us here on the DVE Morning Show. <laughs> it's 18 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Concert announcement for you this morning. Jimmy Buffett coming back to town. 
Is he doing a farewell tour? Saturday, and I don't think so. Saturday, July 7th at Key Bank Pavilion. Tickets are on sale show. next Friday at 10 a.m. It is an eight-ticket <laughs> limit per customer. Tickets are available at Ticketmaster.com. Again, that's next Friday at 10 a.m. Think people will drink before that one? Oh, oh my boy. God. Oh, boy. A lot of parrot heads getting hammered. A family member of one of the four people killed in a car wash ambush in Fayette County says the group gathered for a fist fight between her son and the gunman. The mother of Billy Porterfield tells Channel 4 her son and Timothy Smith were going to fist fight after an altercation earlier that night at the Tall Cedars Bar on January 28th. Investigators say Smith instead shot Porterfield, Chelsea and Seth Klein and Courtney Snyder before turning the gun on himself. The Olympic Organizing Committee in Pyeongchang, South Korea, says another 42 cases of norovirus have been confirmed inside the Olympic Village as competition begins today. The new round of positive cases brings the total to 128 in the past week. Most of the sick people are security personnel who are all housed in one particular area. More than 1,000 security officers have been sent home in an effort to stop the spread of the illness, which is dubbed the winter vomit bug. Several of the new cases have been reported in the town where a lot of the ice sports will take place. Health officials are quarantining those who are sick in an effort to stop the spread of the virus. Oh, man, that would absolutely suck. You're getting ready for the... That is the best word to say. The luge is definitely the best puke word to say. (laughs) But if you trained for however many years years and all of a sudden... Flew all the way over there. Yeah. Family. Just started barfing. Oh, the worst. (laughs) I mean, I know people played in the Super Bowl with the flu. Like, they fought through the flu. Mm -hmm. Pink sang the flu. Not quite the same as actually having to compete. Physical, yeah. I imagine. But that would absolutely. And conversely, if you just went as a spectator and you spent all that money to go to the Olympics and you spent. Flu in South Korea. That happened to me in the Super Bowl in Dallas. I got it. That's on, right. I got it on Friday. You did. As soon as the show ended, Caliendo looked at me and he's like, "You look three shades of white." He's like, "You look terrible." And I was like, "I don't. I think I drank coffee out of the coffee maker in my hotel room. Maybe I got, got sick from that." He's disease. like, "Dude, you got you got Legionnaires disease." And I just started <laughs> barfing all the way until the game. I, so so uh, you you Columboed it to that. Like you, you basically traced it back to that's definitely what it was. It could have been, but that was like the last thing I had was like gross coffee out of my hotel coffee maker, hotel room coffee maker. But I, I just remember my girlfriend landed Friday and like came to the hotel ready to party for the weekend. And I'm just <laughs> throwing up and I'm like, go ahead. Farmers fun. 180 in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sit down, turn around, sit down. It's like, the, <laughs> oh. yeah, it's norovirus hokey pokey. Yikes. And like, uh, oh, go have fun. I'm going to throw up. And then just tried to keep it in the whole game. And then when Mendenhall fumbled. Oh. Whenever we flew over to Seoul, uh, South Korea, for the USO tour, it took us, I want to say, at least five days to feel normal. Just from, just, the jet just lag. from the jet lag. Because it's, I forget, it's like eight hours ahead or something like that. Yeah. And so you just feel like your whole equilibrium is off. And that's under pristine conditions. Like, I, we weren't doing any competitive sports we we're telling jokes yeah uh, i just can't imagine how you would compete they have to go over a long time ahead right yeah i if, would think say you had a competition two weeks away 
and you had a chance to be exposed to the norovirus now. And get would you allow well, yourself your to system by then, Yeah, would you allow yourself to get it now and just puke it out now? Or would you, you just, just try to, to hope you get it now and not a week from now? And just try to avoid it. No, I think you do like the Belichick, let him score, you know? Play defense. Mm-hmm. I'd probably wear a hazmat suit from now till the games. Just lots of hand washing. Mm-hmm. Face mask. How would you eat though? Like you don't know if the person preparing your food right. is, has it. Oh. Delivering your food. And it's highly contagious, right? Yes. Is that what you said? Yeah. That's it's like airborne. You can just be talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like the flu. Yeah. Swallow their molecules. <laughs> ah. When you say it like that. Yeah, it's pretty Chew gross. on that. Yeah. Bill, forget the hot yoga. Former Chinese librarian believes the fountain of youth can be found by doing yoga in the freezing cold. Uh-huh. She's known online as the world's most youthful mother. Liu Yellen posted photos of herself working out in the snow. <laughs> she claims she's done outdoor yoga in the winter for over 30 years. Wow. And she looks young. She's 50 and she looks like she's about 28. The fitness fanatic is becoming something of an internet sensation after she revealed that she's 50 <laughs> to a foreign news publication. Yeah, she probably hasn't drank any alcohol. Exactly. And- Never had a cigarette, never had alcohol, never had bad food. She's so bored, she just started doing yoga in the snow. <laughs> Over 20 per- performers are set to celebrate the music of Led Zeppelin at the 14th edition of the appropriately titled The Music of Led Zeppelin Tribute Show. The performance is scheduled to take place March 7th at New York's Carnegie Hall. The first group of performers were announced in December and include the Zombies and Richie Sambora. Some other artists announced yesterday, including Patti Smythe of Scandal and OAR. Tickets are on sale now if you're interested. Longtime Grateful Dead lyricist John Perry Barlow is dead at the age of 70. Barlow, who died yesterday in his sleep, was responsible for penning dead classics like The Music Never Stopped. Mexicali Blues, Helena Bucket, Cassidy, It Looks Like Rain, and Black-Throated Wind, among Uh, others. Arlo was said to be Bob Weir's lyricist of choice. The cause and location of his death have not yet been released. He was my favorite person interviewed in the Long Strange Trip documentary that Scorsese produced, which is available on Amazon Prime. It's like a four-part documentary. Mm -hmm. might be more than that. Um, But he spoke with such realism about what was going on there. And he he was really critical of, not critical so much as just matter of fact about Garcia's role Mm -hmm. and how things could have changed. Because he just kept saying, like, he kept insisting he wasn't the leader of anything because he was very, you know, egalitarian. There is no leader. It's we're just one big amoeba moving around. (laughs) And he's like, that was complete BS. He's the leader. (laughs) Like, everyone knows he is. He could have affected change. And he didn't, like... He didn't say things should be different where it could have helped a lot of people, like getting rid of the Hells Angels, mm-hmm. you know, and he was because he was Barlow was great about that. He's like, hey, what's the point of having them around? And he said that Garcia said to him, I don't believe uh, good means anything if evil isn't uh, there to balance it or something to that effect. And he was like basically saying that's moronic. It was dumb. And he could have you know, he really kind of called him out on the par- carpet is kind of like being. Uh, you know, avoiding responsibility where he he might have been able to make a difference. Mm-hmm. He 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 said some very poignant things. That and he was really pissed about the way they treated uh, Pigpen. Mm. He thought they were really mean to Pigpen, and then Pigpen died. I mean, his name was Pigpen. <laughs> 
Finally, is Charlie Sheen a murderer? Probably. According to Lenny Dykstra, he is the former Major League Baseball player. Barlow thinks Garcia killed him. (laughs) Used to be good buddies with Charlie, but they had a falling out a few years ago. In a new interview with Lenny and The Hollywood Reporter, he says Charlie's going down. He thinks the FBI is coming after Charlie for tax and wire fraud and for knowingly spreading HIV. He also believes Charlie murdered his former assistant, Rick Calamaro, back in 2012. The official cause of death was accidental overdose. But Lenny claims he told Charlie all the time to fire this guy because he thought the guy was writing a tell-all about Charlie. Well, Lenny then went to jail for several years, and when he got out, Calamaro was dead. He asked what happened, and Charlie allegedly said, Oh, you mean dead, Rick? What effing happened is the mother effer tried to blackmail me, just like you said. Wanted $5 million. I had him effing iced. He also oh, you claims, mean dead, Rick? He also claims Charlie beat his pregnant girlfriend, and he oh, says that's oh, why he's Lord. finally talking about Charlie, because even though he's a bad guy, he won't tolerate a man beating a woman. Uh, some other things revealed in the article. Lenny reportedly a bit of a gigolo to old ladies in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and that Dykstra wants to do his own expose on Charlie and also wants to do a documentary about himself along the lines of ESPN's OJ Made in America, which was really good. Yeah, Very good. That's uh, the guy who's doing the new Clemente movie. So we'll see what happens with Lenny I'd really Dykstra. like to see that. Lenny Dykstra is a beautiful Crazy. disaster. He's I mean, a, he's, Nails he's, was great. When he played, like that persona rat. was awesome. But he's he's just a psychopath. He went through chaw like Hurdle goes through double bubble. <laughs> Did you ever see the uh, real sports segment on Lenny Dykstra? No, but I think I it was Frank to. DeFord or one of those guys did. Oh, my God. He, I mean, the level of train wreck this guy was at and the amount of investors that he was defrauding. And he was buying million-dollar homes and they would have no furniture in them. But to yes, your the, point, that that poster was boss. Like with, with all the nails. Oh, yeah. Those posters were great. I, I, look, he was, he was a fu- fun guy to see on the field. Smoking cigarettes between innings. It's just like <laughs> super, super intense. But also, uh, you know, he was a crazy person. He acts like someone with advanced CTE. He's also been to jail many times. Right. And like for, for long periods of time, like years. She just had seven, yeah. right? Snowy and cold, mid-20s for the high today, but a big warm-up all the way up to 40 tomorrow. It's 19 degrees at DVE. How about McDonald's just had a jewelry designer make a Big Mac ring? <laughs> oh, it would be quite It's colorful. made from 18-karat gold. It's got a bunch of diamonds, sapphires, and other jewels, and it's worth approximately $12,500. And if you want it, all you got to do is tweet about your love of the Big Mac using the hashtag Bling Mac Contest. Before Valentine's Day. So talk about how you love Big Macs. Hashtag bling Mac contest. And you're uh, you're good to go. They'll pick the best tweet and give that person the ring. That's how you know the marriage will last. That's how it starts, Val. This is a Black Mar- Mirror episode. It starts with hamburgers <laughs> and it ends in somebody. Can't watch it. T- you got to do it. No. I'm telling you. It's the I'm best. already worried enough about the world. No, no. It's great. It's a great look into the future. And now the football season's over. Plenty of time to sit around Netflix and chill. Oh, yeah. But until that time, of course, like any good Steeler fan, we'll sit and wonder, what are we going to do to get better for next year? Well, here to answer some of the questions that you may have is uh, team owner, President Art Rooney II. Mr. Rooney, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you guys today? 
Doing pretty good. Right. I have to tell you, as a Steeler fan, it was fun to watch the Super Bowl because the Patriots lost. So I'm wondering, was there a part of you, I'm sure that you uh, had some impartiality uh, about the whole thing, but was any part of you glad that the Steelers' Lombardi trophy total was not affected and that we still have the most? I must admit, I'm still happy that that is the case. Good. So, so uh, you were rooting against the Patriots. <laughs> I, I was. Yeah, uh, good. Although right. I, I have to say I think it's more important that we figure out how to stay ahead of them than uh, than to worry about them losing games. That's the way I'd rather approach it. Well, what are you coming up with along those lines so far, Art? Well, we have work to do. Uh, you know, it's early in the off season, and uh, guys are just getting started on the draft, and uh, – We've got salary cap work to do. A uh, few people would like to sign, so it'll, it'll be a busy offseason as usual. Well, you said a few people like to sign. Lev Bell, of course, is the big thing. Everyone's wondering whether or not he's going to get an extended contract. Uh, you had mentioned yesterday that you would be working toward that end. He tweeted out last night, which is, do you get to talk to him, or do you just have to check his tweets, by the way? Uh, this time of year, it's mostly checking his tweets. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so he tweeted out last, just to let you know how the negotiations are going, the point you're at right now, according to his Twitter timeline, is that he thinks it's a great idea to work on the long-term contract. Does the fact that the two of you are both on board with getting a long-term contract mean it's any closer to getting done than it was two weeks ago? Well, look, I, I do think that uh, Le'Veon wants to be here for the long term, and so that, that certainly uh, helps. I think when, when both sides are working uh, sort of with the basic uh, objective of getting something done, that always helps. And, uh, uh, look, we're, you know, we're going to work hard to get it done. It's hard to predict how these things uh, will get done or, and when they get done, but, uh, but we're both going to work on it. Is that the priority for you? Is that the number one priority this offseason? Well, I think uh, it, it's a it's a certainly a priority, and and at this point, uh, you know, knowing that uh, what what that piece of the puzzle looks like uh, earlier rather than later helps in terms of the overall planning. So, uh, you know, there, there's a, a lot of reasons why it would be helpful if we get it done sooner rather than later. All right, I saw your comment regarding Mike Tomlin yesterday. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, you called him one of the best in the business, and you said you're very happy with his work. Correct. No, that's right. That's right. And I, look, I, you know, I think his record puts him as one of the best in the league. So, uh, uh, you know, we're we're happy we have him. And uh, frankly, when you look around this last hiring season and and see uh, some of the difficulties people had hiring a head coach, uh, uh, it's you know, I'm, I'm happy we have Mike. That's for sure. Understanding that, and also understanding that nobody's perfect. Bill Belichick didn't have his greatest game in the Super Bowl. Do you do anything to try to uh, improve Mike's game? Do you leave that up to him? Do you uh, evaluate specifically, uh, hey, I wish you would have kicked a field goal here or not onside kick there, or do you just let the one-loss record uh, speak for him? You know, we have conversations about just about everything that uh, that we you know we think is important. Uh, I, I don't really get into play calling very much, so uh, it doesn't go to that level. But uh, you know, we we do talk about uh, personnel and and uh, you know how we how we're going to prepare with various uh, players uh, this off season, and, and you know make sure we have the the roster the way uh, we all feel. Uh, is necessary. Kevin is part of those conversations. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of different conversations that happen about a lot of different parts of the uh, of the puzzle. Does Philadelphia's success uh, entice you to rethink how a roster 
should be set up. And I guess where I'm, where I'm going here is the Eagles don't seem to have a ton of all pros, but they have a lot of good players everywhere. Well, you know, you got to give them credit. They've done a great job. Uh, I, I must say that the, probably the, the smartest thing they, they did was sign their backup quarterback and uh, yeah. really uh, pretty amazing performance by him in, in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a solid team and, and uh, a lot of good players, a lot of, you know, a lot of different positions. Uh, but, you know, the other side of it is, look, I, I, I like our roster. I mean, not, not that we, uh, don't have places we'd like to improve on, but uh, you know I, I, I like our roster and, and think uh, you know we can we can play with the best, and that's you know that's how we're approaching this next season. Does Randy Feekner's inexperience calling plays give you any cause for concern? You know, it's uh, it really doesn't. I mean, Randy has been uh, in, in the booth and and on the field with uh, you know with with our offensive staff now for a number of years. He's really been part of the game preparation. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not like he's uh, parachuting in from nowhere to do this job. He's, he's been uh, part of this, uh, the, you know, the whole program for the last few years and, and has had the opportunity to suggest plays here and there. So he's, he's been an integral part of uh, how we call plays, and, and I do think Ben is very comfortable with him. Uh, so, you know, hopefully that will help. Does this mean Ben is going to have the majority say in what happens in the offense? You know, I, I, I hesitate to say majority. I mean, I think Ben is, like I said, very comfortable with Randy, and I think uh, Randy has a, a good relationship with Ben. So, uh, uh, you know, may, maybe uh, things will go smoother. I, you know, I think that uh, at critical times in a game, you want you want guys who have a, a, a good communication. Uh, going and and so uh, hopefully that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, with Randy calling the plays. Art, does Randy know what a catch is and what a catch is not? <laughs> and if so, can he tell the rest of us? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I actually think that the rule is uh, that we need to change the rule. But uh, but you know, it's it's not that hard to figure out what a catch is. It, you know, the the problem is that the, the way the rule is. Uh, there are, you know, there are catches that would would like to see that that are, you know, being called incomplete. And uh, you know, I, I think the way the rule was, uh, Jesse James, you know, they probably got it right, unfortunately. Uh, but to me, that that's the kind of thing where we need to change the rule to make a play like that, uh, you know, a touchdown. Because uh, if he were a runner, if he were declared a runner, that you know, that, that's a touchdown. I don't think we need to have a, a different rule for, you know, uh, for a runner and a, and a receiver in terms of what what becomes a touchdown in a situation like that. So that will be addressed this off season, or is that just something people are talking about? Is that is competition committee hard at work already? Uh, Actually, they do. They have a meeting today, as a matter of fact. So uh, that that uh, committee starts their work today, and uh, you know, I, I think when the commissioner comes out and says we're going to look at this, I think uh, that that's a signal that uh, they are going to take it seriously. Uh, you know, as you know, Mike Tomlin's on the competition committee, and I I know Mike feels strongly that something needs to be addressed with it. So uh, I uh, I would be surprised if uh, if there's not some sort of change with it this year. Mr. Rooney, uh, you have a long history of hiring former Steelers to be a part of the organization. You mentioned yesterday Ryan Chazier will continue to be a part of the organization, which I'm sure fans were c- completely excited to hear. Uh, Carnell Lake just 
resigned to, to spend time with his son in his final year of high school football. Uh, and, uh, you know, Joey Porter's on staff. The list goes on and on. So I'm wondering if James Harrison expressed an interest in coaching for the Steelers in a couple of years, would that be <laughs> something that you would entertain? Or has he basically burned this Liberty Bridge? You know, it's uh, it's probably too early to uh, to you know talk about what kind of relationship we'll have with James in five years. Uh, I I kind of doubt that he's going to be a coach, so I'm not sure we'll have to worry about that decision. But uh, you know, it was uh, look, it was a difficult situation and and uh, in, in some ways a, a disappointing situation, and and uh, we probably need to have. Uh, let a little time and let the dust settle, and and, uh, and we'll talk about that situation down the road. Art, you, know, you guys won 13 games, and I think when people discuss your 13 regular season wins, it's always followed quickly by, despite all kinds of drama and potential distraction and uh, eventful occurrences, uh, did this year prove you guys can handle anything, or would you like to reel things in a little bit next year? Well, you know, some things are, uh, you, you have to be prepared for distractions, uh, I, I think, every year. And, and uh, you know, some years are more eventful than others. There's no question about it. And, and this year was, uh, I would say, a little bit unusual in terms of the number of different things went on over the course of the season. But but I really think that, uh, you know, our guys responded to everything, you know, uh, you know, well, and and uh, overcame uh, you know a lot of different uh, obstacles and, and maintained focus and discipline. So, uh, you know, I, I think overall, uh, uh, I'm I'm happy with the way we responded to all of it. Uh, you know, that being said, there are times when uh, you know I think you have to be smart about what you say, uh, particularly about an upcoming opponent and. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there are always lessons to be learned, and, and uh, hopefully we'll have some of that as well. Along those lines, when, when you heard or heard about Mike Tomlin talking Patriots before you guys played Green Bay, did you think, oh, no, or did you think, well, of course, why wouldn't he? Uh, you know, I, I, I know that uh, Tony Dungy does a great job in these interviews getting people to talk about things, and, and uh, you know, that's kind of the way I thought about it. You know, Mike, Mike was probably being a little more honest than, uh, than maybe he needed to be in that interview, but, uh, but hey, it, you know, look, the, the Patriots were uh, being discussed. Uh, I think this time last year everybody was talking about the Patriots already. So, you know, I, I think it's something that uh, – the, you know the the lesson to be learned here is that uh, you, you take it one one week at a time, one game at a time, and, and no matter who the uh, the team is, you you know you can't focus on uh, on one team. Uh, obviously, our our real nemesis this year was probably the Jaguars, and so you know we can't go into next year saying okay we got to worry about the Jaguars. We we got to play the schedule that comes out and uh, and just you know prepare our team as best we can and not worry too much about the other. You know the other teams and just be prepared ourselves. So when I go in your locker room next year, it's not going to be nearly as interesting, is it? <laughs> well, I'm the, not going to predict that. We uh, the quotes you know, I'm going to get are going to be rather dry, aren't they? We, you know, we have you, you know uh, the collection of players we have. Uh, it's an interesting group, and uh, uh, you know they they like to uh, have fun and and uh, express themselves in social media. So. Uh, you know, it's the age we live in, and, and uh, I would hesitate to say that things will be much quieter next year. Aroni the second, 
Mr. Rooney, always a pleasure to talk with you. Have a great off season, and uh, looking forward to uh, this coming year. Thanks, guys. Good to be with you. Okay, we'll see you. So uh, that is uh, the president of the Pittsburgh Steelers, owner, president, Art Rooney II. One week at a time. You know, I like how, he, you know you know, how boring that is. Yeah, but we're going to play him one week at a time. We're going to talk about the Browns like they belong in the NFL. Oh, God help me. I would so much rather your job be harder <laughs> than the season of drama we had this season. Had enough of it? Yeah. Oh, it was kind of fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I, I know, but it's right up until Blake Bortles beat us. Yeah. Twice. Oh, yeah. Which time? Second He's time. Be Second more specific. Time. Second time. Second time hurt. First time was a, yeah. Because imagine if they'd gotten to that Patriots game and won it. Then you could do anything next year. <laughs> oh, my God. Had the Steelers won the Super Bowl this year, given what happened, it would have been bedlam. Yeah. Would have been a lot of fun. Or nightmare. Now it's going to be, you know, the Bengals, they really run that sweep well. Don't worry about it, Mike. Hey, PFT commenter from uh, Pardon My Take. <laughs> Barstool Sports Podcast coming up uh, 9-15. Stan Saverin, also the norovirus taking control in the Olympic Village. <laughs> and uh, we'll visit uh, what's going on there. And Wreaking Mike havoc. Has a uh, sports update for you when we return on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. Yeah, all right. Great talk on our Rooney, the second. and uh, Disappointing. Why, why are you disappointed? Because they're going back to that one game at a time nonsense. Oh, uh, no drama. You don't, you don't like the avoidance of drama. Drama avoidance. I think you'll be okay, Mike. Yeah. I think they'll fine. feed that beast one way or another. I do think it's a little different this year. The Patriots aren't the gold standard anymore. And yeah. there's a team in between the Steelers and the Patriots. So it's not the same sort of scenario. But, you know, coming off, coming off last year where they got to the championship game and then suffered a bad injury to Bell and ended up losing to the team that won the Super Bowl, I think it was... Perfectly uh, understandable and natural to perceive New England as the one team that was standing in your way. And given that they were on the schedule and that they'd been to, what, six consecutive conference championship games, mm-hmm. they were probably going to get to the seventh. I, I see why they reacted the way they did. And I, I didn't have a problem with everybody being honest about it, starting in OTAs. I think this year it is going to be a different dynamic. At least if they're smart, they better realize that they have taken a step back. Steelers. Uh, yes, and not that they can't work their way up, but they're not. They were a worse team at the end of 2017 than they were yeah. at the end of 2016. They're not right there on the brink anymore, and they've yes. got some major issues. And uh, so maybe in retrospect, it's a good idea if you just take them one at a time. But well, it certainly isn't as uh, exciting. I like what he said about preferring to not be sitting at home hoping and rooting for the Patriots to lose games. Got to take a more proactive approach. Get seven. Don't have somebody else prevent them from getting six. Right. Well, he said he was rooting for the Patriots or, or for the Eagles. Do you think he was singing "Fly Eagles Fly"? I don't. I, I think I he did. went to law school I there. Did. He probably has a lot of Philadelphia connections. But I don't cheese see steaks, chain smoking no, cheese steaks. Don't see him doing that. Mm-mm. I think he ripped his seat out and took it with him. Probably not. I don't think I he like climbed how- any street poles <laughs> in what. the north side. No. Well, you can tell there is no love lost None. in the James Harrison saga. Oh, I, I was thought you were going to go to uh, Patriots. Oh no, that for sure. Because yeah. I was trying to dance around it, and he and he yeah. just was like, "No, I was rooting against." The I Patriots. think James Harrison will be welcome back at some point. Really helps that they didn't win that game. Oh, if he would have won, seeing yeah. him walk off the field with that sad confetti on his shoulders, uh, 
definitely help things. Yeah, but the, the, time will time will cure it. The James Harrison argument, though, is that Steeler fans seem to take solace in the fact that he didn't have a five sack performance. Oh, yeah. That statistically, they think well, they were, they were rooting for him to fail, so uh, it would justify right. getting rid of him. But, but the fact is, and it's undeniable, he made them better, even yes. though they didn't win the Super Bowl. And when we say that, and I. Some issues on Twitter, some people taking umbrage with uh, something I put out at the outset of the week. Saying he made them better isn't saying that they were good on defense. But they clearly thought they were better off with him than without him because when they picked him up late in the year, they played him more each successive game. <laughs> and the Super Bowl, he was out there almost all the time, the biggest game of the year. So they clearly thought they could win with the guy. It, what the Steelers did indirectly is made their enemy stronger. That Again... It didn't mean the Patriots' defense was good, and it didn't mean that Harrison should have been playing instead of T.J. Watt. I think he should have been playing ahead of Chicolo, but even if if you think you have better guys than him, put him on ice. Don't don't free him back into the wild to come back and potentially bite you. Suspend him, send him home, do something. Uh, if you don't want to play him, make sure that they can't use him and and help their cause. That would that would be my advice. They need to have a nerd, a football geek on the sidelines, in the booth, who is just reminding everybody on that coaching staff of the moment, of what needs to happen all the time. Because I feel like this is a very emotional group of coaches. They get success that way. And they coach on emotion. But a lot of times, I think that the details that everybody worries about. I don't think it's just them. I, th- I think it's a lot of NFL coaches uh, get caught up in I it. I don't disagree with you. That is, and as, when it comes to clock management, when it comes yeah. to being prepared, in as dumb as I football. thought that onside kick was against Jacksonville, I thought it was the the wrong thing to do. So dumb. Worse to me was when they got the ball back down ten, and now you're inside of a minute. And there's about thirty five seconds left. You got to kick a field kick goal, a field there goal, and kick another, and onside. try another yeah. onside. You got to give yourself a chance. Bleeding the clock down to score a touchdown on the last play was a completely useless act. Right. That's it, accepting defeat in a game that's well, going and they to, were just in a game that's going to eliminate you if you lose it. There was no sense of urgency on the team on the offense. Yeah. They were kind I don't of, know about that. They were lollygagging. Yeah, they, I mean, you were lollygagging. I just you get to the point where you got to kick the ball. It's okay. We got to have some reasonable time left to try the onside kick and then throw ball and throw a ball into the end zone to see what happens. They did that against the Patriots with that with that first pass to DHB that he's supposed to get out of bounds on. You, you either yeah. get out of bounds or you drop or the you ball. Drop that's it. what you told yeah. me, right? Yeah, that's what was, that was Haley's explanation. And the irony he of the catches se- the ball. The irony of the season was that DHB caught the ball. Yeah, and that is of the all the time that is the right use of irony because that is the last effing thing you would expect to have happen. Right. It's the opposite. <laughs> What you think would happen yeah. there? Games on the line. You throw to DHB and Eli Rogers. I just didn't like those two plays in that game. Yeah, if, you know? th- if the throw would have been a little quicker and a little more on target, you might have loved it. Well, if my aunt had, she'd be my uncle. She would. I thought it was a fun year, though. I, I think it'll be a different year next year. Different dynamic, different attitude, different mindset, different roster, different staff. It usually is, but. Uh, I'll disagree with Madden. Uh, he, he said all the drama made it insufferable. I thought it was fascinating. Uh, when, and, and their ability to win in spite of most of it. Chicago didn't work out so well, but 
thirteen and three, winning at Baltimore, winning at Kansas City, putting the pedal down after that jet first Jacksonville loss and reeling off eight in a row. That was some fascinating stuff. Coming up at uh, nine fifteen from Pardon My Take, Barstool Sports PFT commenter, one of the funniest guys going, despite the fact that he's a Washington Capitals fan. We can't hold that against him. He has promised to eat horse crap if the Capitals win the uh, Stanley Cup this year. Well, that's you don't have to worry yeah, about Yeah, that's that. not a hard promise to make. Yeah, I'm know, really not going to give many props for having guts to make ke- such a courageous In thing. keeping with the Eagles fan that uh, ingested uh, horse manure after the Eagles won and the Cleveland Browns fan that ate it at the, uh, the Cavs parade. Yeah. I, it, I don't think this is going to become a thing. I really don't. I don't know. This Sounds is not, like it already has. I don't know. Well, it, it might stop. The buck might stop in Philadelphia is what I'm trying to say. If Buffalo wins, you know that's going to happen. The Bills Mafia? Eh, I don't Come know. On. I don't know. What what statement is being made when that takes place? I don't know. People eat Tide Pods, Mike. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, is that like, I'm tough, I'm bad, I'll do something uh, you won't? That's uh, the crazy. one case where it would be good to eat a Tide Pod right after you <laughs> ate some horse crap. Good point. It's the DVE Morning Show, and the norovirus has taken over the Olympic Village in uh, Seoul, South Korea. Well, they're getting ready for the Winter Olympics. Everyone's contending with trying to avoid the bug. They, they called it on in USA Today yesterday, they dubbed it the Vomit Olympics. And Seems pretty accurate so very far. Very nice. Yeah, that's really adversely affecting the broadcast. <laughs> Welcome to NBC's coverage of the 2018 Olympic Games in oh! uh, South Korea. Uh, I'm, I'm Jim Lampley. Let's check in on women's figure skating with Lisa Chambers. Jim? Jim, I... Back, back to you. No. Go ahead, Lisa. Lisa, is there any word on... How about we send it to Rutger Mac on the downhill slope? Thanks, Lisa. Greetings from Hyatt's up Garrowing Mountain, where the downhill races are about to begin, and this crowd is amped up and ready for American superstars Lindsey Vaughn and Michaela Schifrin. Wow, Rutger. Seems like you've been able to <laughs> avoid the norovirus. It's affecting everyone at these Olympic Games. So far, so good, Jim. But I think the sushi at the media center last night sat out a little too long. 20 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. The former Subway restaurant spokesman convicted of child porn says he was treated unfairly because the judge has teenage daughters. Jared Fogle was given a nearly 16-year sentence in federal prison for child pornography and for traveling across state lines to have sex with a minor. Punishment exceeded what prosecutors and Fogle's attorneys had recommended under a plea agreement. Fogle is now representing himself in court and argued in a filing Tuesday that the judge demonstrated bias because she has two teenage daughters and Fogle's case involves a teenage prostitute. He is calling on the judge to recuse herself from his case. How can you be biased against a pedophile? I don't know. It's a good question. And if you are biased, what's the problem? 
Aren't you supposed to be biased against a pedophile? Isn't that the whole... I'm completely unbiased towards pedophiles. <laughs> then you're the wrong person to judge this person. Right, yeah. The, you know, I'm actually pro-pedophile, which is weird. Bias, a lot of judges aren't. <laughs> bias comes into play for non, you know, uh, crime-like attributes. Your yeah. race, nationality, body type, etc. You're a bad guy. Political Jared. ideologies, stuff Shut like that. Okay, he has term. a ton of child porn on his computer, but let's hear this guy out. Yeah. Let's look at this objectively. It's so ridiculous. Your smart TV may be easy to hack. Consumer Reports looked at smart TVs from five major brands and said two of them failed a basic security test. Hackers from Consumer Reports were able to completely take over the remote control of the Samsung and Roku smart TVs, including changing channels, turning up the volume, and installing apps. Smart TVs have built in Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, and other services and accounted for half of all television sales in the first half of last year. I'm starting to think that my old dentist, who was a conspiracy theorist, was onto something. <laughs> because I remember going in there, she's got me open for a cavity filling. And I'm like talking about my insurance and I'm like, you know, I'm on the union insurance and the union insurance really sucks. I'm not happy with it. And she just put her finger over her lips, reached into my pocket, pulled my phone out, went out into the hallway and put my phone in a box, <laughs> locked it and came back in and was like, you know, they can turn that phone on. I'm like, who's they? Who are you talking about? To this day, I still cannot believe you let that woman work on your mouth. Well, I Didn't was she already also kinda... give you her collection of... Uh... Soft rock? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. A couple albums. Original albums. Yeah, albums. Yeah. Easy listening on the way home from yoga, I listen. Yeah. To your dentist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get your dentist in the coffee house? I think she was ahead of the curve, dude. They're turning on our smart TVs. They're hacking into them. They They're... do listen through your phone. There's we no already question. know that. We already know that. Amazon is listening at every turn. My mom, <laughs> my mom called me the other day. Remember I told you she had the Alexa? Yes. And she wanted me to like set it up. She had one of the those speakers, and uh, and I was like, all right, before I before I do the last two things here, you know, this thing can listen to you, and it terrified her. And she's like, I don't think mom wants that, you know. <laughs> and she called me the other day, and she told me she she has decided to do it oh. because she said, first of all, she goes, it you know, if you fall and you can't get up. You can just yell, Alexa! Hey, Alexa! Call an ambulance! I'm like, that's, hey, that, that, okay, point. that's good thinking. And she said, and really, what's it going to do? Like, what's it going to hear that I say? Did you say, order Chipotle? <laughs> no! <laughs> Alexa, can it you will, hear me? It will just keep bringing scotch to my mom's house, basically. <laughs> I mean, scotch, cookies, and, uh, I don't know, tuna fish sandwiches. That's about all my mom exists on. I always assume somebody's listening on my phone. That's why I play my dentist's music. <laughs> just in, just to did, throw them off the scent. Did she put like a frequency in the middle of all of her songs that like <laughs> yes. block out anybody's ability mm -hmm. to listen to you? Yes. Any surveillance uh, apps? <laughs> I have one of those Roku TVs. I got like uh, a small one mm -hmm. in my basement. I got to go. Has it been hacked? I hate it. I, it's a pain in the ass. I didn't right. think What's it, the Roku thing? It's just a smart TV and Roku is like... Like a little sling. Okay. You know, it's got all yeah. that stuff on it. It's got, you know, it comes with apps ready to go. Yeah. Netflix. But it makes it hard to plug in your cable box. I don't know. It's a little bit difficult. Not not that hard. But it's... You, you, it's just another piece of equipment that you don't really understand that's in your house. And it requires a different set of prompts than every other 
thing in my house. So it's got its own unique way of getting to turning on the TV. You know Solve what I mean? the Sudoku puzzle. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listen, if it's listening, I want to talk to it and be like, fix the, make it easier to turn you on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Save my login. That's the other thing. Now I got passwords written down all over the place. Like one of my, like Hogan's Heroes. I mean, <laughs> how many times do you hit that forgot password thing? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah, a lot. All the time. Mm-hmm. Got to get a password for everything. Yeah, I have so di- many different ones. I type the wrong one into I'm going to just start thing. getting my passwords tattooed on me like the guy from Memento. I always, like, mix it up by one letter when I have to do that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, I have different. And then you never remember what that yeah. what is. Which is which. Uh, this is a dumb question to ask here. Uh, do you think it's okay to swear at work? There are times... Well, last week there was a couple banner moments off the air stuff that was being said that was just not okay. It doesn't stand out to me because it's it's always that way. I don't remember what you're talking about. Um, I kind of remember one where you you were about. Well, that wasn't a you're always shaking your head. But this one, you hung your head. Was that the joke? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not a swear word. But forty four percent say it's never. Okay to swear at work. 36% say, eh, if the circumstance calls for it. And uh, again, if your boss doesn't swear, you can't swear. The boss sets the tone. Yeah, I agree. Boss swears, you could swear. You can't swear okay. at your boss. Ever. Have you ever sworn at your boss? <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> Different circumstances, though. I didn't always get along so good with people here. Those guys are all gone. Are there things you miss because technology has eliminated the need for them? Not, not much. Newspaper. Although I still, I, I still always fantasize that I'm, I'm like going to start reading the newspaper again. You want? It's one of my favorite things on the weekend in the summer to do: sit outside in the morning and read the paper. Do you still do that? Yes. Don't you feel like eh, I already know all this? If it gets there early enough. I read all this last night on Twitter. Sometimes, That's yeah. That's what but, it feels like. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, yeah, you used to get into an article, do a crossword puzzle, enjoy a cup of coffee. Yeah, and just enjoy know, the birds. A couple rails of crystal meth. Um, enjoy the birds. <laughs> the top 10 include making mixtapes, which you can still do. You just can't really give it to someone. I mean, you can make your own mixtape on your computer, but. I don't know. It's just not as, as romantic to hand somebody a thumb drive. Even <laughs> the last time I did it. I pulled out an old, like, sound design stereo console I had that had tape to tape, mm-hmm. and it had a CD player in it, and I still used my computer to make a CD that was the mix, and then I just bounced the CD down to the tape, so I wasn't even standing by. Remember, you used to, like, sit down next oh, to your yeah. tape oh, yeah. deck and, like, wait for the for song to add, record. and, like, yep. stop, perfect, perfect, yeah, and then write as neat as you possibly could on the TDK Oh, I Cassette always tape. screwed that up. My writing was atrocious. Oh, yeah. No, my sister took a calligraphy course, so I made her do the writing on the <laughs> ones I really wanted to be fancy on. Putting photos into albums. Eh, Another thing I always imagine I'm going to do. Recording TV oh, yeah. shows on your VCR. Do you you well, know what you, I have? What? Recording TV shows on your VCR, but you still record. You just don't have that extra device. Yeah, VCR yeah. sucked. They were the tracking worst. would get out of whack, yeah. and you, you know, having printed photos around the house. Printed photos. 
the excitement yeah. of seeing how Those photos from a roll of film turned out. That was fun. Yeah. Opening Going to up Photo the, Hut. Yeah. Ooh. Well, there was Got a, that disposable developed. There was at least like an importance placed on every picture you took. Like you didn't just waste pictures. Right. So when you go through them, you know, a lot of times you're like, eh, all right, there's a couple in there, but not a lot that weren't at least trying to be a meaningful photograph. Now you go through your phone, you're like, flip, flip, flip. Why did I take that? Delete. That. What am I doing there? I, I have 10,000 that. pictures. That's a picture of my, of my menu. Okay, this right. is, yeah. Why did well, I take a picture of this? Yeah. My, uh. I just went through a bunch of pictures and threw a bunch out because it's like, why do I have these pictures? My dad used to say, this family has more pictures of ducks and sunsets than anybody on earth. <laughs> ducks and sunsets. That's <laughs> awesome. I want to get together because there's three different houses worth of pictures. Like we have these huge rubber bins mm. full of photos. Like my dad was a photo- my dad was a photographer in his professional life. That's oh, what really? he did. Yeah. And so we have just tons and tons of really great pictures from our childhood, from his childhood, and they're all just in these boxes. I I really want to put them together in a photo album so that we can sort of keep track of our family lineage there, but uh then we have I don't know, 50,000 digital pics to add. <laughs> um, I uh, have efforted to save my ticket stubs. Oh, yeah. A lot of from those too. Since the day I got the job here. Mm-hmm. So I stopped the like games that don't mean anything because there's just too many of yeah. them. Uh, but like, like AFC championships and stuff like that, I held on to those. Oh yeah, I have like four shoe boxes full of all these concert tickets and stuff that I think like one day I'm going to look back. Be like, I remember that. It might be a way to actually make me remember things. At Christmas, I ran into somebody and they're like, "Dude, great to see you. I haven't seen you in years." I'm like, "I know, man. It's been so long." He's like, "Yeah, it's been like last time I saw you is when we came and stayed at your house and we all went to that that concert." And I'm like. I have no recollection of that at all. Somebody recently said that to me. She's like, you took me on stage for Bon Jovi. I'm like, ah, don't remember. I don't remember. That. Is it because you were so high, do you think? Me. <laughs> you knew she would react like that. <laughs> what? That was just super high. I took a mini thin. One mini thin. <laughs> yeah. I was doing rails of coke with Vince Neil. <laughs> we also miss handwritten letters. Um, not. I don't. I don't miss getting them. I, I or g- oh, Writing was, them. I miss getting awesome. them. It was nice when somebody sat down and took the time to write to you. It's it's refreshing now when you get a Christmas card that somebody handwrites, even their signature. Yeah, but you can just you can just Apple signature now too. You can just put oh your signature God. in and it'll automatically do it. Oh man, I just realized that most of the handwritten letters I got were from um, my friends that were in jail. <laughs> 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 it wasn't really a romantic thing or like you know yeah. a, a pen pal thing. A buddy of mine that was in jail for acid in Ohio used to write me these long letters all the time. They were great. Was he on acid when he wrote them? No, he was in jail. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because if he was, it would probably read like the Quincy Jones interview. Best sports podcast on <laughs> on the net. <laughs> that Quincy Jones interview is just, that is required. And Ringo sucked at playing <laughs> drums. Good dude, though. What's your sign? <laughs> Pisces. Good. Uh, best sports podcast on uh, on the web. Uh, pardon my take. Joining us right now, co-host of Barstool Sports. Pardon my take. PFT commenter. PFT. Good to, to hear from you this morning. How are you, man? 
Good morning, guys. I was actually just uh, thinking about the last time I got a handwritten note as well. I think every handwritten letter I've gotten has been uh, somebody breaking up with me in the last <laughs> like, 15 years. It was a, so, you, you got handwritten back letters. Memories. Yeah, yeah. handwritten memories. Isn't it, handwritten, it's a nice touch, you know, like a little personable thing. So uh, that and like ransom notes. I wish that ransom notes <laughs> right. would come back to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, break if the up. breakup letter had like a ransom note look to it, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, that's absolutely. Take the time at least, you know, like cut out some magazines, <laughs> make, it, make it look nice, put some effort into it. Do you think Josh McDaniels wrote a uh, breakup note to uh, to the Colts to Jim Ursay? Man, I, I tell you what, like I, I feel so bad for the Colts organization to have somebody leave in the middle of the night like that. Like how? <laughs> How, that is just simply classless for just a class organization through and through. They would yeah. never do that to anybody. No, I, I think that, um, that McDaniels, <laughs> obviously, uh, he has some emotional ties to New England. And I think I said this on the podcast on Wednesday, but, but there's something about Belichick that I think he, um, he looks at his disciples like his children, uh, at his coordinators like his children, and they have, like, they have father issues. So like, I think they pulled McDaniels aside as he was getting ready to leave, and they just basically said, son, if you leave, you're going to be very homesick. Why don't you just stick around and take over the family business one day? And McDaniels was like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint father. And so right. he, uh, he decided to stick around in, in New England. I think it's kind of a rat move, the way that he, uh, he treated some of his uh, would-be assistants out in Indy. He was yeah. already, you know, started, to look for jo- or started to look for houses, look at schools, all that, all that stuff. So I, I think that McDaniels probably wishes he could have handled it a different way. Um, but he didn't, and I think I think uh, you know it is kind of a rat move, and he deserves some of the criticism coming out of him. Don't you think that it's a creepy statement from Belichick to have said to McDaniel's, "I'm going to open my world up to you"? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know what that means. It's like McDaniel's has been coaching with Belichick for how long? You know, like ten years. Uh, I'm going to let you in so, now. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, what has Belichick not been showing him? Like, does he have like secret folders? Or like, maybe he'll let him sit in on those weird meetings with Ernie Adams, where they don't <laughs> talk about like anything football related and just kind of like talk about numbers for two hours. I, I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I don't know what else they could do uh, to open up the world to McDaniel's that he hasn't already seen. It just feels like he's going to give him a Jesus hug. But instead of having the robes, it's that you know cut-off sleeve sweatshirt that he just <laughs> cuddles him with and brings him in tight. Yeah, just, yeah, just bring him in. Bring him in for just a hug that will teach him everything. So uh, more Super Bowl fallout talk here with PFT commenter from Pardon My Take. Uh, Butler's being benched. Still no good explanation for that. What's your theory? So I, I have a couple theories. First, um, I, uh, I was the first to report that Malcolm Butler had been traded from the Patriots to the Saints back in, like, August or September. Now, the trade hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I was the first person to report it. I think this is just like a gentleman's agreement. I think it's still going to happen. Okay. I think Belichick was just keeping him healthy uh, for Sean Payton. You know, like, if you trade a guy, you don't want to play him in that game. Um, I, I actually think what really happened was that uh, Belichick, he has these, you know, he, He's had a lot of success in the past, and he's learned to trust himself. And that's not always—it's uh, not always the best idea to like trust these weird instincts that you have. But I think that he saw an opportunity um, to sit Butler and start Eric Rowe, who used to play on the Eagles. And the Eagles let Eric Rowe go because they said he couldn't handle man coverage. And so I thought Belichick, you know, had this idea. He's like, you know, Malcolm's been sick this week. He hasn't been practicing hard. This is an opportunity for me to show my stuff and show 
just what a genius I am as a coach, and I'm going to bench him for this guy that's got a chip on his shoulder who's going to step up in the Super Bowl and make me look like a genius. So in retrospect, when we film Do Your Job Part 3, I've got my storyline all set to go right there, and that's how I saw uh, Eric Rowe being able to step up and contribute. Now it turns out that Eric Rowe uh, actually can't cover man-to-man, so the Eagles were right <laughs> on that. And uh, they burned him, and they exploited him. But I, I actually think that that's, that was in Belichick's mind somewhere. He saw an opportunity to kind of craft this narrative, and he trusts himself a little bit too much. So Gronk's house got robbed and uh, while he was at the Super Bowl, which is like, this is a Ben Affleck in-the-town-level heist, okay? <laughs> they, they rob his house, and all, all he has in his house, by the way, are safes and guns. Right. That's it. So what do you think is more plausible, that he and his brothers robbed a train uh, and, and, like, young gun style, and they're holding the, the safes from that train in this house, or is he stocking up guns for the zombie apocalypse? Um, well, when I heard shotgun, I just thought that it was like a bunch of beer cans with holes in them. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I thought that Rob would have in his house. Like, what is Rob Kronkowski going to keep in his safe anyways? Like, I figured maybe uh, a couple cans of the original Formula 4 Loco. Just for <laughs> to have that. Like, I, 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 think, I think the train heist is actually a good possibility. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Rob strikes me as this guy. He's going to put his house up for sale on Trulia. And you're going to, like, click on the pictures and go through the house, and all it's going to be is just, like, pictures of, uh, of Belushi wearing a college sweatshirt, drinking <laughs> from the Jack Daniels bottle, uh, the kiss. His whole house is basically like a dorm room. It's um, a Spencer's. Just being, yeah. Yeah, just being, yeah, just Spencer's, just beanbag chairs everywhere. Um, I think the person broke in the house and, and probably had, you know, they, they obviously knew it was the Gronkowskis. They were just hoping that, uh, that there weren't any brothers that were just, you know, lurking around. But, yeah, I... Rob, I, I feel bad for the guy because um, I think uh, he probably had, doesn't have great security systems. He seems like a guy that just trusts somebody. If somebody breaks into his house, he just assumes that they're there to party. I feel bad for the guy. Um, but, I, mean, I, I don't know what's going on with the, with the police report either because the police won't release you know, what was taken. Um, but that's what I'm really interested in, is getting my hands on, on those documents. Have you heard any of the rumors, PFT, about uh, him possibly stopping his career to uh, to pursue acting? Now, I don't I don't know how you feel about him as an actor, but I kind of think he would make John Cena look like Lawrence Olivier. I was wondering what kind of films you talk about because I know that he's he's dabbled uh, in, in the dark arts before with. Uh with some ladies who have uh, racked up a couple of AVNs, we'll put it that way. Oh, oh yes, yeah. those dark arts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, I could see Rob Gronkowski as an actor, sure, yeah, like an action star. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I hope Rob sticks around. He's like one of the most fun players to watch, and he seems like he has a good time when he plays. But um, he's been really, really banged up consistently for the last, you know, four or five years. Mm-hmm. So I would be shocked if he retired. I think uh, he has he has a future where he could just, like, you know, start his own brand, 69 Athletic Wear, or whatever you want to call it. And he would, he would actually make a lot of money um, just marketing himself that way. You can say what you want about Rob Gronkowski, uh, but he is a genius marketer. I think he's actually smarter than most people give him credit for because people really they don't give him credit at all for, being, for having two brain cells to rub together. But he is a really, really smart guy when it comes to marketing himself. So whether that's acting, whether that's coming out with your own line of clothes, I could see Rob being... Uh, pretty successful guy after the NFL. I'm just glad he's continuing the tradition of New England tight ends hoarding firearms. 
Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's, it's it's a nice nice legacy to uphold. Tom Brady's uh, 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 Tom against time. He the the kiss uh, of his son causing a lot of controversy. Was that just a normal interaction between a a father and a son, or is that part of the TB12 regimen of sucking the stem cell youth of from his son's bones, and, and that was just part of the process? I think you nailed it. That's what. I, that's exactly my theory. Is that mm-hmm. like you know Peter Thiel out in, in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. like gets blood transfusions from seventeen-year-olds twice a month just to keep them young. I think that Tom Brady just you know he he, he sucks the life force uh, from his son <laughs> you know every week when he gets his massage and and replenishes. Like uh, yeah, I, I don't know what I, like a weird, cat man. sucks it, the life out of you like when you're sleeping supposedly. Kids, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was really strange. Like the, the the kiss lingered for a little bit too long. Um, Tom Brady's just a weird guy, so nothing that he does could surprise me anymore. I was I was actually shocked that it was his son and he doesn't make like Julian Edelman and Danny Amendola. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, last you want for- the ball? What's in it for me? Yeah. yeah. What's in it for me? Come on. That was just a peck on the cheek, Danny. Uh, last thing for PFT commenter. The Eagles parade has uh, just got underway. Uh, and uh, you have vowed that like the Eagles fan that ate horse manure, you'll eat horse manure if the Capitals win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes, I did say that. Uh, I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is, you know, society gradually accepting fans eating horse poop in celebration. Like we saw Cleveland, the guy out there did it the first time, and everybody was like, whoa, that's weird. But then you see the second guy do it in Philadelphia, and you're like, oh, I guess this is a thing now. This is what we all do. I guess in, in Pittsburgh, like, you'd probably want to, like, dump a bunch of French fries on it to make it look appetizing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, am, I am on board. It, it's partially me being, uh, having something to, kind of look forward to uh because <laughs> i need to get myself in in cap season mode um and it's also partially me just understanding that the washington capitals are never going to win a stanley cup but if they if they do i will uh I'll, yeah i'll take a little bite of horse poop as is tradition in the united states when your team wins a championship yeah pft commenter always a pleasure to talk with you pardon my take and uh who do you got? you guys got charlie weiss on uh today right yeah, we had Charlie Weiss on. We sat down. We talked about his parrot. We talked about his uh, annual check that he gets from Notre Dame and how they celebrate that. And we talked a little bit about the uh, about the New England Patriots situation. So he, he was a pretty good guest. The number one sports podcast in the world. PFT commenter from Pardon My Take po- po- a Podcast on Barstool Sports. All the best to you, man. Thanks for your time this morning. Great stuff, man. Stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. Okay, we'll see you. Um, if, follow him on Twitter. Like DJ Gallo, PFT commenter, uh, Danny Hopper. Those are some of the, just the funniest guys going. And, I mean, Big Cat is hilarious too, but man, PFT has some gems. Did you see what he said about Ursay? He goes, man, Jim, when Jim Ursay hears what happened with Josh McDaniels, he's going to be pissed when he wakes up tomorrow afternoon. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. All right, sports coming up next. <laughs> he said Josh McDaniels. Didn't take the job because he didn't want to face Bortles twice a year. (laughs) Well, hell, we talked with uh, Steelers president Art Rooney II last hour about Blake Bortles, the Jaguars, and a lot of other stuff. And one of the uh, highlights of that, one of the most sort of uh, 
brow raising comments was uh, about how we did maybe focus on the Patriots too much last year. That's coming up next in sports. Michael, recap our talk with Art Rooney the second next on DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Quite the interesting conversation we had with Steelers team president and owner Art Rooney the second. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? That was interesting talking to Art today. Sports is our brought to you by Panhandle Cleaning and Restoration. One of the subjects we broached with the Steelers president when he visited uh, shortly after 8 o'clock this morning was the now infamous, and that's the word, right, infamous, Mike Tomlin, Tony Dungy interview before the Green Bay Sunday night game because that's the interview during which Mike Tomlin said he was going to acknowledge the elephant in the room. Uh, He said that the Steelers should win it all. He said that they were going to play New England in a couple of weeks. Forget those Packers and everybody else in between. They were going to play New England, and that was going to determine where they were going to play New England the second time. Uh, All that stuff got a lot of mileage, especially after the Steelers never made it to that New England rematch. And Art Rooney II said today that, yeah, if he had it to do over again, Mike Tomlin should probably do something differently. You know, I, I, I know that uh, Tony Dungy does a great job in these interviews getting people to talk about things, and, and uh, you know, that's kind of the way I thought about it. You know, Mike, Mike was probably being a little more honest than, uh, than maybe he needed to be in that interview. But, uh, but hey, it, you know, look, the, the Patriots were uh, being discussed. Uh, I think this time last year everybody was talking about the Patriots already. So, you know, I, I think it's something that uh, – the, you know the the lesson to be learned here is that uh, you, you take it one one week at a time, one game at a time. The lesson to be learned. Oh, that's that hurts me when I hear that because that's going to trickle down if yeah. it if it hasn't already. And there there is not going to be a quote next year nearly as as phenomenal as Mike Mitchell talking about the Patriots before the Steelers played the Jaguars, by the way, and saying. We'll play them in Haiti. We'll play them in hell. We'll play them in New England. We're going to beat them. That's the best quote I've heard in a long, long time. And it's, but it was all for naught. I mean, it, yeah. it, it actually like it went from being something that was, you know, commendable, I guess, in a way, to have that kind of confidence going in against, you know, hopefully facing the defending champions, yeah. to uh, to farcical because they weren't ready to beat. The Jaguars. The and timing of that interview I don't coming know if they out. They weren't ready. They weren't capable of Yikes. beating the Jaguars. We don't think they could beat the Jaguars. In retrospect, no. I do, let me split. Could they? Yes. Do I think they're a better team than Jacksonville? Absolutely not. Especially without Ryan Shazier, the way the way they were configured at the end of the year. Two turnovers and the, and the way Jacksonville was playing. They still didn't Blown stop. Coverage. They never stopped them. Yeah. They got run on. Maybe they overestimated their own. Cam Hayward had an uncharacteristic bad game. That line had an uncharacteristic performance. No push. Yeah, they just got they got beat, they got beat twice in their home stadium by the same team. I, that's I've seen enough. That team's better than they were. All right, that's hard to argue with. That's not putting it on what you said before the game or lack of focus. You got your ass kicked again. Try to, try to not have that happen next time. But Art Rooney added today, uh, no need to supplement Jacksonville in, in all your New England obsession. Uh, better just not to obsess. You know, you can't focus on uh, on one team. Uh, obviously, our, our real nemesis this year was probably the Jaguars. And so 
you know, we can't go into next year saying, okay, we got to worry about the Jaguars. We we got to play the schedule that comes out, and uh, and just you know prepare our team as best we can, and not worry too much about the other, you know, the other teams, and just be prepared ourselves. It's going to be a lot less interesting next year, Steelers fans. You asked for it, you got it. Be careful what you wish for. I'll believe it when I see it. Obviously, the Cleveland Browns are a fine football team. They haven't won in 38 straight games, but we respect them. We're worried about them. We're not thinking at all about playing Jacksonville next week. Answer me this, Mike. Do you think that the team is capable of pulling an about face for next season in terms of their exposure on social media, saying things to the media? A complete about face? No, but a, a change of direction? Much less of that? Absolutely. I think people like Cam Hayward were tired of it by the end of the year. And they got it thrown in their face so much when they didn't win. I think that's what really bothers them. I don't think they think it cost them anything per se, but I think the it's just something you shouldn't have to deal with or don't need to deal with. Why, why subject yourself to that potential storm? Which they're still dealing with. And they're going to deal with it to a degree throughout the uh, springtime, right? Right. You think some of the questioning is going to be, do you guys regret in retrospect the way you comported yourselves? I know one guy that's going to ask that stuff. I know what the answer is going to be. No. Mm -mm. We'll get past it eventually and look ahead. In the meantime, the Steelers still have more Lombardis than the Patriots, and Art Rooney confirmed that's a good thing. I'm still happy that that is the case. Good. So, so you were rooting against the Patriots. <laughs> I, I was. Yeah, uh, good. Although right. I, I have to say I think it's more important that we figure out how to stay ahead of them than, uh, than to worry about them losing games. That's the way I'd rather approach it. I thought painting his face green and standing on his seat <laughs> singing Fly Eagles Fly the entirety <laughs> of the much. game. That's a little overboard. It was a little much. A but, much. You know, there was a lot on the line there. That was a fun interview. Thanks to uh, Art Rooney II for making some time. For no me. doubt, man. It was great to talk I, to I him. don't think at his age he should be climbing street poles after a victory either. That's a little dangerous. He's, he did, he's still in great shape. He did but. cut our interview short because he's got to get to the parade. <laughs> he's got to get in his corporate jet and get the bra. Stan the Man Sabrin joining us on the DVE Morning Show. Stanley. Good morning. How are you? Hello, all. How are you guys doing? We talked with Art doing Rooney great. the second earlier on the show, on the program, as they say. I asked him what his priority was, number one priority for the Steelers, and I asked if that was Lev Bell being signed to a long-term contract. He said, well, I won't say that's the number one. It is among our priorities. What do you think they need to do first and foremost? With Lev Bell or no. in anything? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is get your coaching staff straightened out. Uh, and I don't know if that means there are going to be additional moves. There was a report out this morning that the defensive line coach uh, at the University of Alabama, and they've produced some unbelievable players there oh, yeah. in college. It's about who you recruit. He has to still have to coach them up. Um, is rumored to be interviewing for the Steelers' defensive line position. Now, Carl Jeff- Dunbar. Yeah, Carl Dunbar. Former player here. And, um, you know, John Mitchell's been here for a very long time. He's also got the title of assistant head coach. Uh, I have not heard anything that Mitch is thinking about retiring. 
I've um, heard some scuttlebutt that may be more of an advisory role. That's what I'm thinking. Like Joe as Green. As he eases out here. Right. He's, he's been at it a long time. How old is he? Mitch? He's in his 60s. Yeah. I mean, he's played at Alabama, what, in the 70s? Yeah. He is uh, he was the, first, the early 70s, he, right? He, he was the first African-American player at the University of Alabama. Captain. Yeah. Wow. He is a fascinating guy. I wish, I wish guy. we had access to speak with him more often, but... Yeah. Uh, he, we do. He's just not really interested in being fascinating <laughs> no, all the time. When he gets on a roll, he's tremendous. But he likes to keep a low profile. And no, well, that, I guess that's what I mean. Do his job, and maybe now, maybe now. <laughs> yeah, if things progress. Yeah, I mean, look, Quincy Jones is going scorched earth. Why not? Why not John Williams? I don't think John Mitchell or Mitchell Ivanka Trump, to the best of my knowledge. But... How about that? Yeah. How about the Quincy Jones Where revelation? Just from? as a side note here, that he what, so random. How pissed is his dad? Or her dad, rather. His, for that matter. Uh, it's a pretty good troll job honestly, on his part, if, if that's what he's trying to do. Donald Trump finds out his daughter's dating a black guy? Look out. Amazing, except <laughs> the fact she married a Jewish guy. Yeah. He didn't know until well after. He's like, why are they stepping on a glass? Yeah. <laughs> they ruining that for um, All right, go solve peace in the Middle East. You're Jewish. <laughs> you're Jewish. <laughs> you figure Stan, it out. Yeah, Stan, you should be able to go over there and solve peace in the Middle I East. I would not take care of it. I know you would. Uh, but we can't even <laughs> solve our uh, own defensive problems here. Maybe this is our first step. Well, perhaps. Uh, again, Mitch may be uh, – he, he's had the title of assistant head coach for a very long time um, and, and in, in, to a large extent served under Bill Cower in that, that same way. So, I mean, that's Mike's probably hit the nail on the head and looking to transition to get a little bit younger. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't certainly be getting forced out or anything. No. It wouldn't be a wouldn't performance happen. reflection. Wouldn't happen that way. But maybe, like Richard Mann, so, you know, those guys have been coaching, yeah. you know, 40-some years. Uh, that's the first thing in terms of priority. Uh, but I also think <clears throat> if you expect to win your best players – have to play at their best. And defensively, that was not the case, especially in that Jacksonville game. They did not. The people that you count upon, they're your best guys. They've got to be at their best. They were not. So is coaching a part of it? Of course. And the thing that bothers me about the coaching aspect is the number of miscommunications. But as far as the performance of the players, that's on the players. Mm-hmm. They've got to take responsibility, too. Uh, so, you know, we'll start with that. Um, as far as the signings are concerned, uh, I'm more concerned with who they let go. Uh, I would like to see them. I think William Gay, it's a foregone conclusion. I would agree. Um, I, I don't think there's any need to bring Mike Mitchell back. Uh, and, and that means they're going to have to either look in free agency or they're going to have to use a draft pick on him. Uh, outside of inside linebacker, in my view, if we're getting to the draft, they need two inside linebackers. God, we've just been loading up on D for so long, it feels like. I guess well, we had Juju pretty they, high last year. but Because they loaded up on offense for so long. You can't fill all your needs into one draft. Look at the performers on offense and when they came in the draft. Mm-hmm. And I believe what really set the Steelers back was 2011. And not because they lost to Tim Tebow. That year they were 12-4. and four. But you could begin to see some stretch marks on that defense. I mean, they were getting old. But the fact that they went 12-4 and four said, oh, we're okay. You know, we're okay. And they weren't. And it's almost like an avalanche. 
um, or a landslide better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see it until it actually happens, but it begins underneath. And I think the fact that they went 12-4 and four in 2011 following a Super Bowl year in 2010, yeah, we can still do it. Well, that's when they began to draft for defense. Look at the defense, but they hadn't done much on defense. But look at the look at the picks they used on offense. You know, all that time, and you see the result now. Mm-hmm. Um, what's going on in New England right now? I mean, there a little bit of finger pointing going on, but was the Josh McDaniels retraction more due to Kraft not letting the Colts take anything from him, or Belichick honestly being ready to sort of cede the empire? Well, that's the first thing I thought of, and I, I thought that there were warning signs of all this Sunday after the game because McDaniels was asked. Everybody knew Matt Patricia was going to take the Lions job, and everybody thought they knew that McDaniels was going to take the Indy job, including the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> McDaniels was asked after the game about you know going to Indianapolis, and he wouldn't commit. Why wouldn't you? If you're gone, you're gone. Everybody thought it was a foregone conclusion. He wouldn't commit, and I said, what's going on here? Has he been promised something? Then Monday he accepts the job. And, oh, by the way, we find out now that during the pro- – everybody's allowed to change their mind. Belichick did it with the Jets, so maybe that's his mentor. Maybe he thought, <laughs> well, this is okay. Belichick did it. That's what you do when you get your second head coaching job. Is you, right, exactly. You, you, yeah. you win Bonk. immediately after. You yeah. And then, you know, uh, it's, it's a lot of supply and demand. Oh, I quit. More people will want me now. Mm-hmm. But in the process, throughout the Super Bowl, McDaniels had been contacting – potential assistant coaches to join him in Indianapolis. So who knows what these assistant coaches were contacted. Maybe they were offered jobs, and they said, no, I'm going to be going to Indianapolis. So, you know, McDaniels does what he does. His agent was so upset that he quit and will no longer represent him. But it makes you wonder. Good move by, by the, the way. agent had to do that. That's the same guy who had the moral high ground of representing Jack Del Rio and John Gruden. Right. Oh, no kidding. Are you kidding me? Really? Now you're taking the high road. <laughs> well, I, well, I, I, I think right here with your high road, agent and high road. Well, yeah. Right away, we've got a conflict. <laughs> well, I, was, I would think that that's, that's an oxymoron. That compounded yeah. it. You know, one one of those affronts forgivable, but when you have both of them, he has to actually, you know, s- try to save face at some point. He also, um, I read, he represents the Colts general manager as well as the get out, as well as McDaniel. See, I think the Patriots are the only team that has ties to Russia that we can see, <laughs> and I think that there was a, there's a P tape out hey, there by on extension. McDaniels. No, I think yeah. Mo- they've got compromise on him. Listen, if if McDaniel's, he said he's got four young kids, ages three to twelve. Um, I don't criticize a guy. You Tom know, Brady needs to suck the life force out of them for the next. Well, Tom, yeah, Tom Brady needs a babysitter, <laughs> yeah, right. so they've already got four, so yeah. his two can go over yeah. there. Um, I mean, I, I, I get that. Um, and frankly, that's good business on New England's part. If they offered him whatever it was, more yeah. money or a guarantee in terms of line of succession, I mean, Belichick will be 66 next year. There's no indication that he wants to you know, stop coaching. He's obviously still very successful. What would he do? I mean, seriously, he he retires. What is he going to do? His whole to life fill has been his evil brain. He's going to die in office. Hopefully, no time soon. No, he, I, it wouldn't surprise me if that guy's coaching another twenty years. No, yeah. he's not ever stopping. Yeah. It's not happening. It's what, that's why all he, these the Patriots dynasty is over columns that are being written across the country. Like, are you kidding me? Well, maybe he would be the general manager. You know, he has a big mm-hmm. say so uh, in personnel. 
And that's one of the reasons that McDaniels <clears throat> said he wanted to stay, because he was promised um, that Belichick would mentor him in terms of player acquisition and you know, the players. He's been the offensive coordinator there for years. You mean he doesn't already know that? Uh, and also he was going to be informed about salary cap issues. Well, if he goes to Indianapolis, that's not his job. That, that's not part of his job mm-hmm. is worrying about the salary cap. Maybe he wants to be a capologist someday. Yeah, there you go. Look out, Omar. What did you make of Big Ben's sudden uh, change of direction as far as the length of his career? Well, I don't know if there was a sudden change in direction. I mean, I think we go back to last year. Uh, I think it was, you know, coming off the New England loss. I think a lot of it had to do with his dissatisfaction uh, in, in working with Todd Haley. So, I mean, I don't know that that isn't what he was thinking all the way around, despite that one public declaration, declaration which he kind of retracted maybe four to six weeks later when the OTA started. Um, listen, why not? Whatever you think about Todd Haley, Ben has been healthy uh, and has been as injury-free, I guess, as you can be. Um, he certainly wasn't battered around this year for the most part. Um, I always thought he'd play out his contract. He wants to go one more. Well, you know, yeah. you'll see see what happens. But I also think that that will impact, because you asked about Le'Veon Bell, um, I think that that will impact the Steelers' strategy. In other words, if Ben said, <clears throat> I'm playing only one more year, 2018 is it, you're going to take a big step back. I don't care who you bring in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after 2018, Le'Veon Bell becomes less valuable because the chance of you being a contender have been minimized. But the fact that Ben now wants to stay around, maybe they want to maximize the time that Le'Veon Bell's here. Who do you got on the show? On the show today, Mark Madden will join me at 1230. Um, we're going to be talking about this. We're talking about you know the Penguins. Uh, talking about Olympic hockey. You know, the, hockey, the Olympics start tonight. No Olympic hockey. I think that's a good thing. With you know the NHL players, not and it's a stand and guy day. Guy from one to two. Stand and guy. Love the show. Beautiful. The, uh, stand and guy. The one two punch. The original legendary duo. Yeah. The Mike and Mike before there was Mike and Mike. The stand and guy. That's right. The original stand and guy. Uh, thanks to uh, PFT Commenter for joining us today. Also thanks to Art Rooney the second. Mr. Rooney uh, was on earlier. If you missed it, you can catch it on our podcast. Go to iHeartRadio.com. Download the app onto your smartphone. Listen to the DV Morning Show at your leisure. Also thanks to uh, who did I miss? There's one more person in there. Shannon there? Norman. Oh, Shannon Norman. Our friend Shannon. Pittsburgh comic Shannon Norman has two shows this weekend. He's going to be recording his brand new CD, which he may call Live at the Sunset Strip District, which I like. Mm-hmm. Like that a lot. One. And what was the other name that he was thinking of? Uh, WQED presents A Night with Rick Seabat. Yeah. <laughs> also a good name for a... Uh, which is misleading, but a, maybe uh, could in, incur marketing. more fans. Right, right. Push sales yeah. considerably. Um, he is uh, performing at Club Cafe on Friday night, and then Saturday night he'll be at Hambones in Lawrenceville. Tomorrow on the show... We got on the show tomorrow there, Joe. I can't find the, the Dern sheet, and I only got one arm. I can't go rooting around. Sean Collier. Ah, Sean Collier. Chet Vincent I'll tell you what, Big Ben. No, I think it's just Chet. Is it the Big Ben, or is it just Chet? No, I he's thi- bringing the Big solo? Ben, it says here. I know, but that doesn't necessarily mean, because he has a brand new solo record, hmm. and it is awesome. He reminds me so much. I always say he's like the modern-day Joe Grishecki for Pittsburgh, because he writes to the sort of, uh, you know, Truth to Power, the working man's mm-hmm. sort of vantage point to all of his songs, and he sounds like flipping Neil Young. I mean, this is such a good record. I absolutely love it. 
So he's um, leaving the Big Bend home. You think? I think so. He went around the Big Bend. No, what are you saying here, Joe? You saying he's bringing the Big Bend? Okay, cool. Well, That's what it said in the yearbook, Jim. He has it's it all. His previous producer our previous producer must have booked this yeah but i guarantee you randy slack did not give a rat's ass <laughs> on his way out the door about details well, that might have been booked a month ago yeah. hey, when he cared no <laughs> he didn't care a month ago there's some bad news out of philly you know they closed a lot of things for the okay. parade here we go the schools and yeah. the courts mm-hmm. they even closed the zoo so that guy can't say take it to the zoo rock can't happen today i thought you were gonna say so he couldn't wow. break in and eat elephant poop Oh, there'll be a zoo in Philadelphia, just at a different location. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everywhere. Roving. <laughs> that's that's going to be kind of fun to watch. Oh, no, I can't no wait. All right, that's it. We're done. Michelle's up next. Have a great day, everybody. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. So now you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.